Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter, they work hard and they work smart, unlike some of the teams in this NBA trade deadline we're about to talk about. Uh, they have tools to make hiring more efficient and effective. Some say it's the smartest way to hire. Their powerful technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. The tech doesn't stop there. ZipRecruiter is so effective. Four to five employers will post on ZipRecruiter. Get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. I did a rewatchables this week about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, so you already did it, huh? Did it. Honestly, Honestly, it's one of my favorite movies the last five years. I don't know what the, should I say, 10 years? It's unbelievable. I love that freaking movie. Eight to one to win Best Picture. Is um, that the favorite or is it Parasite? No, uh, the 1917 is the favorite. It is? Yeah. It's good. Yeah. So I'm going to watch Parasite this weekend. So we did that rewatchables. The big picture is breaking down all the Oscars odds, all that stuff. We also did, I did a book of basketball podcast about Kobe this week. You had a couple podcasts this week. Russell and I are moving, we're moving, we're basically going once a week NBA all the way through the second week of July. You're cutting down to probably two podcasts a week on your feed. Probably. Well, I'm not sure if it's this week or next week. (laughs) Um, Um, Well, I guess we'll talk about it later. Yeah. 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 But you're going to do two and then a third one with me. Yeah. Right. Right. I'll be at the All-Star game, by the way. Oh, yeah, we got that, um, too. But I'll be coming back. I don't like watching it. It's, to me, it's it's unwatchable. And we wanted to give a shout-out to uh, my old Grantland teammate, Andy Greenwald. He yeah. wrote TV for us forever, and now he is uh, the showrunner of a show called Briar Patch, which premieres on USA Network tonight. Watch it, if only for Grantland. Coming up, Ryan Russell and I are going to break down the trade deadline. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. <laughs> We are taping a live trade deadline BS podcast. My name is Bill Simmons. I'm here with Ryan Masillo. We did this last year. I can't remember. Did it work out last year? Uh, yeah, it went It went. Do we have any great. fun trades? What was the most fun trade last year? I think that was the... Was that the Joe Johnson trade? <laughs> Joe Johnson. <laughs> to Phoenix. Let's go through the trades. Uh, the ones that have happened. The biggest one, Golden State takes a flyer on Wiggins. They get a top three protected 2020 pick. Minnesota gets D'Angelo Russell. I'll start with Minnesota. This is a, a just a complete panic trade by Minnesota because Towns is so unhappy. He's lost 100 games in a row. He's starting to send out feelers around the league that I'm aware of that he's bummed out. He doesn't want to stay there. And I think Wiggins was a part of that. And it was one of those, look, you got to do something. Do you think it was directly you got to get Wiggins out of here, or was it do you got to do something? I think it's I think it's both. Um, Good answer. You know when you when you look at like tanking and not saying everybody tanks the same way, but this was kind of the version of it where you go, hey, it actually is working for these guys. Yeah, like these guys are getting picks now. Granted, the Wiggins pick was the Cleveland thing with love, but you know whenever you tank for a few years, you hope to have these two pieces. Kind of like right now with Memphis, you hope with Ja. And Jaron Jackson, you're like, okay, we've got these two things that we can build on. And you have to go two for two with those high lottery picks. Absolutely. I mean, and even Philly probably whiffed on two of the four. Right. But they ended up with two guys that we still don't know. It looks like they're less likely to be able to play with each other. So that was very early. We got to Sixers problems. Wow. But that was the drinking game. People already had to do a shot. (laughs) Minnesota was was that thing where you go, look at this. Like, we've got this incredible wing guy 
who at the very worst is like 20 points a game is going to play lockdown defense. And honestly, like he gets 20 a game, doesn't play great defense. And then Towns, who two years ago in the GM poll was the number one choice of who you'd want to start your franchise with. Amazing. And now you're like, look at these numbers and they keep losing all the time. They have the worst record since the 10 and eight start in the NBA. So, well, you named him to your all miserable, all NBA team at the halfway it. mark captain, yeah. which Bradley Beal, I just heard from some third parties was upset. He wasn't the captain. He vowed to up the stakes. Was he upset or was his girlfriend upset? <laughs> Maybe both of them were. But Towns, the last week or so, really started to look like he actually had like appendicitis or something on the court. Like it actually looks like there's something medically wrong with him. Just had this crazy, unhappy uh, look mean, on been, his face. You watch it and you go, oh my God, like this guy's absolutely miserable. But, you know, I, I think the, the the irony of this is, is that is D'Angelo Russell the fix here? And I'm not meaning fix like, hey, you're now contending for titles. I'm talking about, like, if Towns is this good and Wiggins was the disappointment and you think Russell, like, the perception of Russell now is that he's a much better player than Wiggins, and I think that's something we could even talk about. Yeah. Uh, Russell's completely revamped, or I, I don't know, I, I would say the redemption of his career started last year, where two years ago I thought he was just sort of a high-usage, you know, kind of like a almost a pig. In a sense. Right. Like, and then last year, it's like, wait a minute, this is going to work. We know why Golden State did it, to have an asset instead of zero assets, so we'll get to their side of it. But this reeks of panic and all the other moves around it. Well, also, I, two CA guys. And I, I, but I still don't know what it means for them as a team. Like, if they're if this is really, like, something that's supposed to work, they should be a locked playoff team. It's probably well, too late this year, but next go, year. Go backwards. Golden State gets Russell yeah. in the Durant trade. They're really smart. They actually outthought some teams there because they were looking at this situation. They realized Durant's leaving, and they go, is there any way to salvage this? Russell seems like he's heading to Minnesota. We all know the Brooklyn's going to renounce Russell to sign Kyrie yeah. and KD, which will then allow Minnesota to just sign Russell. Golden State gets proactive. They grab Russell, a, a borderline all-star, a guy who's 23. 23 a night and kind of fits in with where the league's playing now. Golden State just got a free look at him for 50 games, and they're like, we're good. We'll get rid of this guy for Andrew Wiggins. I look at that, and I'm Minnesota. I'm like, why are they so anxious to trade this guy is a more intriguing thing to me. And look, I think we can... We can talk. I really liked Russell last year. I actually thought it made more sense for Brooklyn to keep him than do the Kyrie thing because of Ky Kyrie, all the baggage stuff that he brings. Russell ties into this problem I'm having with basketball in general right now where he can do these specific things really well, but that's all he can do. He can set him a screen and he's really good at, he can move Probe, up that, right, do a little right. pop or right. whatever, or he can do a little ISO. He's always 25 feet from the basket. He doesn't get to the free throw line at all. I think he's a good guy to have on your team and he seems like a good, good character guy now. I'm not sure he'd be that fun to play with. And they obviously assessed this and said, this guy doesn't fit with Clay and Steph. So that's a really good point because, you know, when you watch D'Angelo when he was in college, I think the great thing was some of the stuff that he, the decisions he made with the basketball. Like it wasn't just, hey, let's run this high screen and roll. Let's do all these things. And when, again, two years ago, he had this usage rate where you're like, this is like almost borderline Westbrook level yeah. usage and you're not as productive as Westbrook. And he plays a little bit like when Harden used to play in a lot of that pick and roll stuff. And it's the kind of basketball we hate. It is. It is like I that have Portland about 30 game. feet from the basket. Right. You guys all stand here. I'm going to do stuff. It's productive. But I think for them, it's like, what, what is this ultimately when Steph and Clay come back? 
this isn't how we want to play. Well, that's a real thing. And it's a good question because I, I did talk to somebody earlier in the week going like, what do you think Golden State's trying to do here? And when I had first heard like Wiggins, and by the way, the pieces they move out here, I'm assuming they got under that repeater tax thing yeah. by moving out Evans and Amari Spellman in this deal too. So Golden State wanted the tax relief, although I don't believe it was a mandate based on people that I talked to, that they were still going to be okay going into this summer with their own pick and Russell. By the way, that, that was bullshit. They wanted to get under the tax. No, I know they wanted to. They tried to trade Mookie Betts and they realized he wasn't on the team. <laughs> Do you think the Mookie Betts thing is just a Hulu ad? <laughs> Is there any chance? <laughs> All right, just just checking with you. We'll have a Mookie Betts breakdown a little bit later. Uh, it's so, be. so this is the part that I, I think, like, it's guilty because, like, when the Warriors do it, that they're smart. But, like, nobody, everybody was, the basketball community was collectively off of Wiggins. Yeah. But I really think from just a basketball fit positionally, based on people I talked to, that Golden State liked Wiggins with that backcourt better than D'Angelo. By the way, same stats. He's also 23 a night. That'd be a really sneaky, like if you did a vote right now, who's a better player, D'Angelo Russell If or I Wiggins, just did the player A, player be, B with the stats, you'd right. be like, wait, they have this same stats. He's only, how old is he? 1995, he's 24. I think he gives Are them- Are you talking to yourself in a Wiggins right now? I'm lie. not, okay, I'm not. Just making sure. Um, I think he gives them more flexibility when Clay and Curry come back, though. And if I'm Golden State... That's what they believe, by right. the way. So that's so not you just guessing. It's it's true. Yeah. So if you're Golden State and you look at it and you go, all right, we just got a 50-game sample size of Russell. Here's Wiggins. When Clay and Curry come back and we have Draymond, what kind of person do we want in that third spot next to those guys? We want a guy who's a wing, who's interchangeable. They want a small forward. Play defense. Right. He can play up as a small forward. I still don't know how good his defense is, but... Well, He's passing more. I mean, you know. But if I, you're but if you're Golden State, you look at Minnesota and you're like, this is a top three team you'd want to trade for a talented guy from. This guy's had how many coaches? He had Tibbs. He had the guy before Tibbs. He has Saunders. Flip's kid, who I'm not not Ryan. really sold on. Um, and dysfunctional team. Towns certainly not the guy who can be the best player on a really good team. I don't think just based on his personality. And you're like, you feel like this is a distressed asset that you're grabbing. You put him into your Golden State system. You have him with all the shooting coaches. He's got the best locker room. He's around guys who play their ass off every day, like Curry and Draymond and Clay, like real pros. And you put somebody like that with those guys, and it's like embarrassing if you're not working as hard as them. It's embarrassing if you don't give a shit during the game because those guys really give a shit. So I actually think it's a good bet. I think it's the one team he could have gone to that maybe he can be salvaged as a real impact guy. And they get minimal protection, top three protection in 2021 on that pick. They get the second rounder. So they ended up getting extra in here. There's also a Warriors bet that it's like you you added Russell, you added all these different pieces. You know, they, they've revamped a lot of the second half of their rotation with all these other secondary deals that they've done outside of this big one, uh, the Covington deal, and then the other Memphis deal, um, which came through. But... Well, they're, they, they're, they're probably looking and being like, "Hey, you guys are still going to be bad," and this this pick, and so now the it's fifth pick, right? And so, so what? they could have two top five picks. And the other thing is, you you need a big contract if you're going to make a trade, and that's all. So this Wiggins is. is could be a piece where you're like, "We'll give you one of these first round picks with Wiggins. Now give us somebody who's actually better than Wiggins, and you're back in business." And they had no flexibility, in my opinion, um, if Durant leaves and they get nothing. So the way they've played this, this little Jenga stack they've built, 
It's pretty good. It's now they really have an extra first-round right. pick I, with Wiggins. Wiggins is tradable. Somebody else would take a chance on him. But he might actually be good for them. Yeah, that's that's how everything in this deal has to be looked at, is that the dumb organizations go, up. Oh, we lost Durant. You know? Right. We'll see what happens. You know, let's let's kick the tires on who's left over in two we, weeks. We or the the really dumb organizations on June thirtieth would have been saying, "I don't know." Rich Rich Kleiman said he'd call us at three. You yeah. never know; he might yeah. change his mind. That's like the really dumb organization. Why is he on the boardroom with a Knicks hat? <laughs> why, is he, why is he interviewing David Falk? Um, the they knew they knew where this was going, and I think the fact that they proactively were able to get an asset for him was really impressive. Absolutely. And Russell's good. I like Russell. I just don't know for that team if it makes sense. This is his destiny. With Towns, we're a team. Marbury and Garnett 22 years ago. Now it's us. Two guys who can put up 30 in any game. They'll be more fun. The energy will change. They'll start killing Wiggins and they'll start leaking stuff, right? In a couple of days. I don't think they have to leak stuff. I mean, you could watch Wiggins <laughs> over the years and go, hey, there, we, we need a little bit more out of you, man. Like you can't be the invisible man. Oh, we have uh, a trade. Oh, all right. Shabazz Napier straight up for Jordan McRae. So LeBron couldn't get him? <laughs> yeah, where's LeBron? LeBron was so in on Shabazz Napier. So in on him, they drafted him and, and he left. More trades we got to go through. Okay. Clippers got Marcus Morris. Nick, Nick's got Harkless and a first. It's as, basically the first. As somebody who has Clippers season tickets and was really rooting for them to get to the finals, um, I hate this trade for them. I watched Marcus Morris on the Celtics for three years. I think on the right team, he has a purpose and has real value. He is a ball stopper. The ball goes to him and it stops. And if you watch the Clippers really carefully, George is a ball stopper in a lot of ways. Kawhi is a ball stopper, although he's Kawhi. The Lou Williams give the ball to him. Harold sets a pick. That's a ball stopper. It's a team where nobody's moving ever. And now you're adding a guy who's basically a statue. And if you throw him the ball, he's going to take seven seconds to decide what to do. So now I have Kawhi, Paul George, um, Harold, Lou Williams, all standing in different spots while Marcus Morris is deciding what to do. And, you know, the flip side, they would be like, well, he's a good open three-point shooter. He was never comfortable with that in Boston. He wanted to, the problem with having a guy like Marcus Morris is with a minute left down one in game seven of the Western Conference Finals, He'll think he should shoot. Yeah. He'll be like, I, I got actually Kawhi, let me take this. Yeah. That's why you can't have a guy like this. I don't like the trade. I can't believe that, that we agree. And you had such a bad time at Morris. So you had an extra year as Boston run. He was only there two years. It so felt like three. three. I'm like, wait, no, I think honestly, it, yeah. it felt like three. Uh, he was a really nice contract too. When Boston had him, I actually thought it was kind of like a, a low key, like, Oh, that's kind of a smart deal. Cause you know, this guy's in your rotation. You know that he can play. He is shooting the cover off the ball. He's 44% from three right now on six attempts per game. In a he's bunch at, of games right. that mean nothing where nope. he's getting a ton of touches. I get it. It's 20 points ton a of game, touches. but he looks right now like the best version of him. Yeah. But I do think it's a byproduct of like what that team has. So, you know, the Knicks get back to his first rounder. It probably as as we learn more about, and that's probably one of the hardest things doing this in real time is like, oh, it's actually this kind of protection. Oh, this is actually what the deal is. Well, let's call it what it is. It's probably the 24th pick in what might be the worst draft in 20 years. Yeah. So if they so were getting all these calls, them. remember too, it was like, they, you know, Knicks don't want to trade him because he feels like a Nick. He feels like Oakley. He feels like Mason. He feels like, like, okay, you Did now- Did you believe one inch of that? No, I didn't. But I just, these, I love these when are the people things go, that are around. We'd never trade him. This guy means so much. that To me, that's like you're putting them on the block. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, a lot of teams like, 
when the Clippers were maybe linked to some other people and you're going, they can't move Landry Shamit. And I like Landry Shamit. Like the Sixers would love to have Landry Shamit still for, for what he is. But like sometimes you go like, are, are, how high are you rating the seventh or eighth guy that you have on your team? Morris well, is- Well, it's Morris 1145. Is, yeah. So we haven't had all the trades yet. To me, like Danny Green is a guy like that. I don't know if the Lakers would trade him or not, but it was like, oh, they can't trade Danny Green. He's great. It's like, they'll trade Danny Green. They'll trade whoever they can get if they feel like they can get a third star. But the Whatever Lakers, take, they'll do. The Lakers rumors with Morris is like, okay, it starts with Kuzma, and now we have to, and you're like, wait a minute, why would you want Morris more than Kuzma? Yeah. I don't. No. Um, also, why, why would you want to trade a guy who has a $2 million contract for a guy who's a free agent who makes 15? Yeah, I honestly, like, I think Morris is really talented. If he keeps shooting like this, it'll be worth it. He's not going to put up the same kind of production. But I think the biggest problem, and maybe it's more Markeith, but Marcus had it in him a little bit too. Like toughness to me is facing adversity. It's not shoving another guy when you're down 20 and you lost. And fair. those guys, I look, I've watched it enough. Maybe it's more Markeith when he was with the Wizards, but it just go, you know, I know you guys are big, tough guys and you're physical, but but being mad is not always being tough. And and there'll be times you're like, oh, okay, you're just you're just taking a cheap shot at somebody right now because the game's already lost. Like, we needed you to be tough in the first quarter. I actually thought Denver was the team that made the most sense for him. And I, I do like Morris on the right team. I'm just saying he's on the wrong team. The Clippers, where he's going to really have to take a step back and be a complimentary guy, and I don't think he wants to do that. But if you're on Denver, where that team is going to ebb and flow in a playoff series, depending on whether Jamal Murray is feeling it or not, as we saw last year. He was whether, awesome. He had 28 through three quarters right. last night. So you watched them yesterday and you're Conley. like, I get it. I yeah. see the path to Denver winning the title and all the stuff they're doing, then Jokic down the stretch. But I wish they had a third guy who, when Murray doesn't have it in game four of the second round and they're playing somewhere and Jokic has three fouls, you kind of need that guy who's like, I got it. I'll take some shots. And that was the best Marcus Morris quality. Like you saw when Kyrie went out that year during the playoff run, there were games when like Tatum had deer in the headlights, Brown had deer in the headlights, Rozier can't make anything. And Morris is like, I got this guy and he'll actually make some shots. I don't think that's what the Clippers needed. Hey, I actually thought if I was going to use that Harkless thing in a pick, I'm going one of two ways. Either I'm improving the Harrell spot because I don't think they're big enough in a Lakers series. I just don't. Um, yeah, but they keep beating them. And I would improve you know the I, mean? I would improve the Shamit spot because that was the one where it's like I want a better version of Shamit. Who is that? Is it a JJ Reddick type? Is it Spencer okay? But JJ Dinwiddie? wasn't Who going anywhere. It doesn't look like Drew was going anywhere. Dinwiddie's name was all over the place the last couple of days. So I don't know what that is. I mean, we could add him to all miserable team as as the starting point guard because as soon as the Kyrie right. stuff in and out, you could just see it. Like, hey, this is way more fun when I'm doing this and we were winning games. Well, so maybe, when, but maybe you trade for a guy who's got a contract next year too, because if you're the Clippers, you have no way to improve next year's team either. You have all these contracts that are packed a certain way and you have Harrow as a free agent and you don't have really the ability to grab anybody. But if you grab somebody who's making 15 a year for next year too, now I have this other asset. This is a problem the Celtics have had the last couple of years where they don't have that one tradable contract and they're not in any of these trades because they don't have it. They never were able to roll it over where, oh, next year we have the Georgie Dang contract. He's 15 expiring. Don't try that one again. Gorgie? George? Georgie? <laughs> Gor 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 no, it's a Gorgie. tough one. I screwed it up all the time. You know I have pronunciation dyslexia. What uh, What's going on with the Princess Bride look out of you today? I grew for the thing. I like I that. knew we had a big trade deadline thing. 
I wanted to wear a hat and look like one of the three musketeers. Uh, I almost didn't change into something nice. So you but. thumbs up or thumb last verdict, thumbs up or thumbs down for Marcus Morris on the Clippers. I, it's just, to me, it's a meh. Like I'm not, I'm not so much. It's a meh. Yeah. Like there's times where I watch the Clippers and I go, oh, I don't know. Like, is this Lou Williams thing always going to work in the playoffs? Like, are all these pick and rolls always going to work with Montrez? But Montrez's energy level is so high that he's like already at playoff energy level. So I don't really worry about him. Would you have rather done that or uh, Zubach, Harkless, and a number one for Tristan Thompson, who could actually play for me in crunch time against the yeah. Lakers? Yeah, Tristan still moves really well. Like, it's 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 something we just ignore because we're not watching a ton of Cavs games. Uh, yeah, because I think Zubach is absolutely unplayable in certain playoff matchups, and we're going to see that. Yeah, I love that they, they're like, he's an asset. Look at the stats. His PR, it's 22. I'm like, all right, PR good for bigs that don't play a lot is always... You're not, you're not going to be able to play him in the fourth quarter yeah. of a really important playoff game. He will not be on the floor. I actually really like your Denver call because the Millsap thing, like he didn't play last night. They had a really short rotation. They ended up getting a really nice win against a Jazz team that, you know, you're going, all right, the Jazz are going to win this game. They, they're up again. They have another run. And then they ran all this two-man stuff with just, I mean, they always run two-man stuff with Jokic and Murray, but last night was so exaggerated where it was like, hey, you three guys go stand over there. They had no Porter Jr. So if Denver really has a chance of coming out of the West, I would have loved to add a score like more. So I I, I, uh, I completely agree with that about what a better fit would be. But every one of these trades, man, like, hey, would you have rather done this instead? Like, I do think we make that mistake a lot of times. We're like, oh, I don't like this trade. It's like, okay, but what else do we know that was actually even obtainable? Right. And I think we make that mistake a lot. Well, so let's go back to Utah for a second. Yeah. The Conley thing's not good. I, well, and last I wonder night, at some offensively, point, it was good, but it was so bad defensively. I always thought he was pretty frisky defensively. And Frisky's you think about those those yeah. Grizzlies teams in 2012, 13, 14. Great and and him and Tony Allen. And I always thought like it was pretty high level perimeter D. What we saw last night was alarming. And the fact that Denver was basically torturing him and they're like where is he let's go get him on offense if i'm a utah fan i'm alarmed and i was wondering if he was a possible trade target today well, where, the, he, like if they he went was, to oklahoma city and they're like we'll give you conley for chris paul um and we'll take that extra chris paul you're off your hands and we'll throw in our 2022 first in utah it's like all right, that's a lot of Chris Paul. He's going to get got him two years after this, 44 million bucks. He's playing great this year. At the year, same though. time, it's like the guy's one of the best 22 players in the league. Right. Conley is not. When Paul showed up, they were like, look, we're going to rest you. We're going to do this. We're going to, you know, we want it. And, and Chris Paul's like, hey, your whole rest plan? Nah. Like, I'm not doing that. He's like, I'm like, on, I'm finally on a normal basketball yeah. team for the first no, time seriously. in 10 like, years. They, they were like, they had this, this whole great. thing mapped out for him. And Paul yeah. was like, yeah, fuck that. Right. <laughs> like, see, I loved hearing that story and it's worked there, but that's. So when you talk about like, let's give Conley a little bit more time before we're ready to write him off. But it was so bad that they actually switched it up where they put Ingles on Murray and then Denver was really smart because then they ran Morris off some like wing screen where they ended up with Morris on Conley and then he worked him. And I was like, oh man, like this is, this is bad. And uh, it was really, really impressive what Denver did last night to close that game. It was, a, it was a little like uh it was like a playground thing where everybody's throwing the ball. There's the one kid in the middle and they're throwing the ball over his head and playing keep away with them where it's just like, all right, this is cruel guys. Can you just stop? You're torturing this poor kid. That's how I felt for Conley yesterday where just that he was at the specific point of his career, which a lot of NBA players hit where you're like, Oh, I'm that guy now. 
I'm, I'm now the I guy that's, need... I have, the, he's like the, the nickelback on the playoff team. That's just every play is being run out. Are him. you reading my tweets for content? I said, he looks like a corner that was called up from the practice squad. I didn't read that one. Yeah. That's all right. You've been busy. <laughs> Can we give Conley like another couple of weeks though, before we're ready to ask him to retire? How hurt do you think he still is? He was really good on offense last yeah, night. Yeah, so I I've, I actually so, feel like he's got to be 90-plus percent healthy. Yeah, it was... Uh, well, I, was Utah it? and Denver are probably going to cross pass in the first two rounds, and I would be alarmed if I were that. And, but, you know, I did one of those classic, like, observation versus prediction thing, and Gobert early's dunking on him, yep. dunking on Jokic, and then you go, Jokic hit this absurd step back that even for him, you're like, wait a minute, are you bored and you took that shot? Or did you just go, hey, I want to see if this goes in. And then he ends up with like 30, 20, 10, triple double. So Jokic, weirdest year of any good player this season. If here's, you catch him almost by the quarter, you're like, is this guy, is he hurt? Is he about to have knee surgery? And then you watch another quarter, you're like, oh yeah, he's one of the best eight players in the league. And, and it, it just really depends on the quarter. And he has like five or six goofy moments every game where like, if he touches the ball when he wasn't supposed to, he's like, oh, you know, sorry. <laughs> right. Here's a question for you, though. Do you think that during the course of his his game, his arms get so red from just all the all the interior play that his passes become harder to detect because the ball is the same skin color as his red arms? <laughs> <laughs> Has anybody else thought pointed this out? It is like he is in the Hall of Fame of... Oh, we got to trade. We got to trade. Okay, so that's a three-teamer now with Isaiah Thomas going to the Clippers. Mixed reviews on him this year. So yeah, the, you know, when, when, anytime you talk about Isaiah, it's almost like, oh, you know, one of those deals. Yeah, it is. It so is. there was a tweet. The Celtics basically, Keith Smith, at Keith Smith NBA, he said one of the teams heavily engaged around the league in trade talks is the Boston Celtics. Not in Capella, though. I, I was told that that was a... There a was more, anger. It was a Maury special on that one. Can you imagine running a team where you're just like sitting in your office having lunch at 1230 and then some tweet comes out, you're heavily engaged in talks with Clint Capella, and you're like, fucking Daryl! <laughs> what a dick! I, I bet Why you does that, he do that? I bet you... Well... You know, because you know what happened. Like the deal was close, the four-team deal with Capella. And then my favorite Capella anecdote was, was he the lowest ranked player to ever be somebody classified as we need to send this guy to the other conference? Like who's been less talented? And like, I kind of like Clint Capella in certain spells. So you're I saying think, Clint Capella, I think they Clint weren't Capella, afraid he was going to come back to haunt them? <laughs> I think Clint Capella should be the floor of, we gotta get, if we do move this guy... <laughs> There's no fucking way we can go through him in the playoffs. Like, Who had more red blotches on their body, Larry Bird or Nikola Jokic in their prime? Jokic, I think. I he think does. he slaps himself a little bit. It looks like he's had a physical where he's had blood drawn right. and he accidentally fell down the stairs. Well, when you watch Jokic, though, I, and I've, I've done this comp before, like he looks like this sort of heavier kid that doesn't have any friends at recess, like in fifth or sixth grade, and he's bigger than everybody, but the cool kids still pick on him. And then he just decides like one day at recess, he's absolutely had it and starts beating the hell out of four kids at the same time. And he's red and he has boogers coming down his nose. And he's That's on Jokic. One, he ends up on one of the fight video accounts that Kyle follows. Yeah, right. Those are still- 30, yeah. 30 Second fights. <laughs> the best. 
<laughs> Kyle loves us. That's, Big playground brought it in. 30 second fights. That's definitely one of those things as you get older, you go, okay, I can't, I can't watch this. I follow at least five of those accounts. And I actually think I have a better sense of what works and what doesn't work now if you're fighting somebody outside. <laughs> So you're like you're a better fighter just based on technique. I feel like yeah, if it, if it ever happens, I I know what you don't want to go backwards. You don't want to keep your hands up like this. You want to be forward and and fast. Right. That seems like what works. It's like my bike. We'll be videos. back after this. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll take a break. Talk about the evolving worlds of Grand Theft Auto Online and Red Dead Online, which had a record-breaking holiday season, more players than ever. To celebrate, Rockstar Games is offering huge bonuses to players in both GTA Online and Red Dead Online. Which which is your group, GTA or Red Dead? I'm a writer now, so I haven't played video games in okay. two years. Starting January 30th, get a cash bonus. I love both, though. I love both titles. GTA is an all-time Hall of Fame. It's just, it's just top five greatest game of all time. I might get back in. If I do sell a script, I'm going to be right back in a Grand Theft Auto. Get a cash bonus of up to $2 million GTA dollars by playing once each week before February 12th. Red Dead Online players will receive free gifts of items, including the Gunslinger's Cache, the Bounty Hunter's Kit, and more with loads of new gameplay across two thriving living worlds. There's never been a better time to play GTA Online and Red Dead Online. Wait, we got to talk about what Houston did. Sorry, Sean, you. Houston traded... Clint Capella and Chris Paul and two first-round picks for Russell Westbrook, Robert Covington, and Jordan Bell. And they got rid of Jordan Bell. If you look at those two trades together, I think Chris Paul is the best player in the trade. I'd rather have him than Westbrook, the way Chris Paul's playing this year. Um, they basically got the second and fourth best players in the trade because I think Capella is more valuable than Covington. So they, out of the four players they got, they got the second and fourth best players this season and gave up two first-round picks. And now they have no size. I think it's idiotic. I, I, I don't understand it. I don't know if the owner is telling Daryl to do this stuff. This stuff is so... Those trades are so uncharacteristic of how Daryl has built that team since 06. We're just throwing away first-round pick. Daryl hoarded first-round picks like the fucking uncut gemstone that KG had. He never wanted to trade first round picks unless it was a shitty one. He certainly didn't want to not put protections on them and all the shit they did. He was the guy that was coming up with like middle protection. Like Daryl was inventing stuff. Yeah, he was inventing stuff to not get burned on a first round pick. And Covington, who in a Celtic Sixers playoff series two years ago, was one of the MVPs for the Celtics. Because it was like, can you, I, I really hope Covington shoots this time and the ball doesn't go to the guys who are the good offensive players. And then he turns into this alleged uh, massive asset, which I agree he's good defensively, but that seems like a sideways move to me at worst. I don't get it. Okay, I, I don't think there's anyone who knows Daryl, and he'll never admit it because he works for people. And he's never told me this, like as I, you and I joke about, it's not like we're that close. Um, yeah, you guys are almost feuding. Yeah. It's like a borderline feud. There will never be anyone that will convince me that he wanted to trade for Russell Westbrook and that contract. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, hey, Daryl, who do you want? You know who I'm really looking forward to adding to this team is somebody that's like a massive, like historic high usage guy that's getting less efficient who can't shoot. When everything is about shooting now and my whole roster is about shooting, I want to add a guy that can't shoot. And we can talk about off-ball cuts and all this stuff, but Harden and Westbrook are two of the least interested off-ball players that are really good that I've ever seen. Like once they're off the ball, it's like, I don't want to do this. So I don't think that that was a Daryl call at all. I think he said all the right things. Um, that's my educated guess. And then with this, 
I'm sure there's still another thing to drop here for Houston to add some kind of big depth post Capella. Good luck. But I imagine that they just thought, hey, we're just going to keep spreading this whole thing out. But I do think it's a fair question to ask. Like, has Covington become kind of overrated through all this? Oh, 100%. Right? 100%. Like, he was Go nice. Go watch the Philly-Boston series two years ago. He was a detriment to their team. Right, and when's the last time like he's, he really by the way, stood he's out? Almost thirty, he's twenty nine. Yeah, this kind of feels a little bit like Gerald it's, Wallace, but Gerald Wallace was like filthy oh, at one point. Great. I'm so jealous of that. If you had yeah. tweeted that, I would have stolen that for the podcast and pretended I didn't see your Twitter. <laughs> That's a really good one. Can I ask you this? Oh, there's another trade. Oh, Georgie he's- Dang, <laughs> Georgie, <laughs> going to Memphis for James Johnson. James Johnson on another team. I like that Georgie Dang. I, I thought he was a guy I was kind of secretly hoping the Celtics would get, and I couldn't figure out the contracts because I like that he's an expiring next year, but his stats weren't bad this year. I actually thought he played half decently next to Towns. Yeah, and he's been mad uh, in Minnesota for a long time. I got. Can we talk about the Dave Jacoby trust triangle for a second? One of Dave's Jacoby's great theories of all time. Sure. Love that it. I've stolen liberally. There's three people. And they all know each other really well. At some point, two of the people's loyalties is going to surpass the third person. Okay. So let's take me, Jalen, and Jacoby, for example. I was very close to both of those guys. That's a tough one because I think we all kind of trusted each other. But let's take like me, you, and Kyle. Okay. Yeah. That's. I'm that's, actually related to related Kyle by to marriage. Him. Right. Trust triangle. If you tell Kyle something, odds are he's going to tell me. Yeah, I knew that. But you know that. Yeah. But some people, you might overpower, you you might empower Kyle, be like, hey, don't tell Bill this. But he's still going to tell me because I win the trust triangle between the three of us. Trust triangle, Daryl Morey, Tillman Fertitta, James Harden. I can it, tell you who's third. If Harden is telling the owner, we got to get Westbrook, which we'll he be did. better off. Which he did. And then the two of them right. overpowered Daryl in the trust triangle and is like, you got to do this. This is, James wants this. It's very important to me. We make James happy. I think we should really go get Russell Westbrook. And Daryl's like, all right, I, I'll talk to Sam. Maybe they'll do a straight up. And Sam's like, I want some picks. Dad's like, well, we're not doing that. Goes back to the trust triangle. And they're like, no, you didn't, you misunderstood. We we want Russell Westbrook. And now he's giving up two first round picks in that deal. Uh, one of the things he did say though. Um, That's just a theory. Which, right, which was just a. I, obviously I'm friends with Daryl, but he I've never talked to him about that. I swear on my kids. Yeah, I don't, he's, I, he wouldn't just share Just a theory me. and yeah. some scuttlebutt around the league that maybe he didn't want to make that trade. Well, because he, <laughs> I don't think that he did. I don't I don't feel like I have to hear from him directly that he was like, hey, actually, I didn't want to make that trade. And part of being a good employee would be never admitting it to you, his friend, anyway. Um, yeah. But... Well, we saw him in Vegas, well, we and saw he, him seemed, in, he seemed pretty pessimistic. He's like, no, we're not doing What do you trade. mean when I told him they were going to trade Chris Paul, and he said, we're not? <laughs> yeah. And he, he was like, we just almost beat the best team in the league. Yeah. And we've won, we won 65 games two years ago. Why would I trade Chris Paul? He had a whole thing. And by the way, the Westbrook deal, like you had to give up picks because Westbrook was considered the better player. Paul's injury history. Westbrook's never, I mean, look, he's had injuries, but like you feel like Westbrook's going to hold up. Although his declining athleticism scares me, at least what we saw this year. But to be fair to Westbrook, like ever since it looked just abysmal 
he has played better. Uh, he's, he's had like a nice scoring run here. Um, I don't know if this is real. I don't, you know, it's tough to bet on those two guys in the playoffs, but he's, he's 39 million, 41 million, 44 million, and then a player option for 47 million. So he's got that extra year. He has the extra year. Yeah, he has the extra year, and you gave up the first. But what Daryl, the one nice thing Daryl did say (laughs) to me. I thought Paul had the luxury. Oh, that's brutal. No, no. Oh, my God. But Daryl was like, one thing you've been saying that I don't think makes you a total idiot, Rosillo, was he goes, your whole thing on like how overrated the last, like the back end, the back third of the first round picks are. So, you know, that's something you're just seeing guys be like, all right, fine, like 27, yay. But GMs love going, oh, you know, we have two firsts coming in. You're like, okay, you're going to be drafting a kid from like Virginia Tech. Look at the Celtics. They had three firsts last year. None of them played more than 12 minutes a game. Yeah, they had multiple years with these three picks. And you just go, oh, my gosh, this is great. And then Speaking of Celtics, Adam Himmelsbach, per league sources, the Celtics did not make a trade before the deadline. Oh, five minutes passed. It's exciting. Five minutes passed. Um, Seems like a good time for a break. Let's take a break to talk about our friend Chris Long, who... How about the year that guy had? What a victory lap for him after an incredible stretch of Mondays on your podcast. Uh, America was into it. I miss it. It's like, there's going to be next week. No you and no Chris Long. I know. I feel like I got to come out of the gates on Monday with like a big guest. A couple things in the works. No, don't worry about it. It'll be right after Oscar Sunday, though, so you never know. I've been invited out. Carissa Thompson was a co-host this week. We got, I heard. We just did a best friend pod. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I don't know how people felt about it. She's a good storyteller. Great story at Fox. But she invited me to some Oscar stuff this Sunday. So who knows who I run into? Well, that, that, DiCaprio sure that'll be, be on, on your pod. Yeah. Uh, but Chris Long. Yes. Back he, to him. Chalk Media. He didn't disappear. He is still on Chalk Media. You could check it out. Their YouTube Channel. He also has a, his own podcast, which he's going to continue to do, right? Yep. Have you the, done that one? I have. Um, but should my feelings be hurt that he's never asked me to do any media on Chuck Media? I can arrange that immediately. I just feel like it should come from him. I don't want a middleman. He if probably I'm not good enough for Chris Long. That's fine. The, I guarantee it's the opposite of that. It's him not thinking you would do it. So go to the YouTube channel. It's called Chuck Media. The, the interviews, like his Aaron Donald thing, when he sits down with him, and they start chatting. It's awesome. Like the, their first minute talking D-line technique, he and Aaron Donald, when I watched that, I was like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. So it's good stuff. Check it out. Chalk Media, Chris Long, great job. We love to have you on The Ringer. Let's get back to the pot. We're back. Um, can we talk about, let's, let's get that weird we Cavs do, trade out of yeah, the way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Pistons trade what I would call cap crap. Yep. John Henson, 4014. I don't know what, how old he is. I think, wasn't he on the Louisville team with Pervis Ellison? <laughs> He's a North Carolina guy, but I think they played against Was he other. on the North Carolina team with Rasheed Wallace and Vince Carter? Yeah, he backed them up. I, I honestly have no idea how long he's been in the league. He's been around, but he has like a weird, like young face with old hairline. I went to a Celtics-Cavs game in Boston over the holidays, and I saw him, and I was like, John Henson. Yeah, tell what me, are you doing here? Did you ever have a moment where you're like, this guy just gets some more touches? <laughs> right. He could be the next Thon maker. Yeah, string bean centers are going to come around. So Pistons get a bunch of crap. Cavs get Andre Drummond. They're going to put Andre Drummond together with Kevin Love and basically try to break the brain of anyone who's ever believed in any sort of modern basketball. So Drummond, this one, this is all speculation here, okay? He's a 28.7 player option for next year. But we know... There's not, no free agents. There's not many cap 
teams with cap space. And he just played in a bad team, and now he got traded to a worse one. I'm wondering if this is one of those deals where a front office is talking to the agent. They go, hey, do you know what you want to do? Okay, well, how about you do this? How about you opt in? You give it another year. Drummond's still young enough. I watched the whole Drummond-Suns game last night because I wanted to watch he and Aiton. And it's just so funny. Even I didn't do that. Well, I was kind of getting ready for this. This is where you go to another level than me. Where you're like, Aiton Drummond. Piston Suns. <laughs> I have notes. <laughs> you you want to look at some? <laughs> your, Drummond, your fucking chatter's like, 26. the Pistons are playing the Suns? Yeah. Like, ooh, Rubio is great for Aiton. <laughs> Aiton cuts hard. It says it right there. <laughs> uh, but, like, Drummond puts up these absurd numbers. Like, I just going through it. Like, seven straight years, the number one offensive rebounding player in the league. He's on pace to be the number one rebounding player for the fifth straight year. He's been number one in defensive win shares twice, three years of 17, 16, and his free throws are gone from like 30% to 60%. And yet you watch it and you go, he kind of just gets the ball and he looks around. And it's tough. You don't like, I don't, would we have thought this guy was awesome in the 90s? Because this trade is like, oh, they got Drummond. Like, do you want him? And honestly, the Pistons got nothing for him, and it's only that one year. There has to be some understanding, Colby Altman and, and the agent here with Drummond and going like, what do you think your plan's going to be? And maybe we'll figure it out. I don't know. This is where I'm glad I'm here. Because this is one of the few things I'm really good at is tying in conspiracies, tying in useless NBA history from the past 50 years oh, okay. into a current player. There's always a center like this that puts up stats and you don't win with them. And you go back to like Walt Bellamy in the 1960s. It was like, Walt Bellamy, man, you look at those stats, man. Putting up big numbers. And that there was this, I put this in my book. There was this writer, George Casita, who was like the legendary, he was like the, the woge of the 1960s. No kidding. And he said, uh, he said, Walt Bellamy was the skeleton of the 20,000 point club was one of his lines about him. Because everyone during the 60s was like, well, that fucking guy, you're not winning with him. And it's like, you have Chamberlain, you have Russell, you have all these. And then it's like, ah, you have Walt Bellamy. Teams are taking chances on him. I think the Knicks traded him for uh, DeBusher and then they end up going on their whole run. But he's like, so you go through the rest of the decades and it's like, yeah, in the 80s, it was Joe Barry Carroll. We, we had early eighties, right? We had Benoit Benjamin. Benoit Benjamin. Where you're like, awesome. oh man, man, you look at Benoit's per thirty six, and you go all the way through, and now it's Andre Drummond. I don't think he's a bad guy. I just don't think you can actually win basketball games if he's on your team as one of the three highest big guys. Bellamy scored in his. First, you love this, Walt Bellamy. I he mean, was like thirty and twenty his rookie year. Right, sixty one, sixty two. The Chicago Packers. Yeah. Um, God bless. And he was uh, he was an Indiana guy, thirty one. In 20. As a rookie. 28 and 16. 27 and 17. The rebounding numbers, though, when you go back to that era, yes, as you know. Out of whack. Like, the the shot attempts, how quickly they brought it down. Like, pace has definitely picked back up, and I, and I want to go back and compare some of that stuff. But, like, anytime I look at rebounding numbers from that era, you go, okay, well, this is just. It's completely out of whack. Yeah. But the Drummond thing, I, I just don't know. If he's going to be expensive, there's no recipe to him helping an actual playoff team like a real team that has a chance to go a couple rounds. If he's $8 million a year, if he's Montrezl Harrell money, if he's like in the Zubach spot making $7 million a year for three years, great. But the the problem with these guys is he's not going to make that because somebody's going to be dumb enough to go, yeah, all right, 75 for three. Yeah, Let's I don't sign I don't, it up. And where are you going? Once you do that, in today's today's game too, man, I mean, I look at it and go, like, would he work on any team? Like, would he work 
you know, the 27 million is a totally different thing, but would he, would he be a plus? Like you run down that resume as I was looking at it last night. I'm like, there's so many great, like if you're the GM and you're introducing him, you have that whole thing rehearsed. You can't wait to say all those things. That was like Chris Wallace when they traded for Vin Baker and he goes against the East. He was a 21 and 12 guy. And immediately I go home, yeah. barely had internet that worked. And I went through it and I was like, that was against 16 teams. I was so pissed. I was like, you, you, you misled us, Chris Wallace. Unfortunately, it was 21 beers and 12 shots. He had his stats wrong. The uh, no trades for the Indiana Pacers, no trades for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I should mention that. The Oklahoma City thing's important because a lot of people thought Miami was getting Gallinari. Well, now, I want to talk about them in one second. We have to do Miami. Here. Yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's put a bow on the Cavs, though. I just don't know. what This Kobe Altman, who I remember when he got hired and it was like a lot of great hire Twitter with the, with the writers. I just think he's been bad. I don't really agree with anything he's done. I think Maybe it's all it is Gilbert. all Gilbert. I don't yeah. know, but Gilbert's been in the hospital the right. last nine months. I don't know how involved he is anymore. There doesn't seem any rhyme or reason to the team they're putting together. They have these two guards that I don't think can play together. Um, I don't blame them for drafting when they did with the two guys and thinking like, hey, we have two guys that can probably create their own and get a shot going, and they're both athletic. But they're... Like, it's a bad duplication and the of what they are. The love contract, which I defended at the time. I I'll didn't. take the loss on it. Yeah. I was like, well, they he's no, an asset. You they can did flip it for them. PR. It no, felt for like PR, but, but it's like, well, they can flip that. At some point, they'll be able to trade but him. But this has been one of the biggest disconnects in the league. If you talk to guys, it's like, wait a minute. I no, didn't no. know. We're giving, like, we're hooking you up by taking love's contract. And right. Cleveland Forever was like, I mean, one of my favorite things I heard this summer, like a D-line system, like love, you're going to get a lot for him. Like I, people forget he's even on the team now. I had Celtics fans in my life texting me like, "You think we could get love for Hayward?" I wouldn't. And I'm I like, do that. I wouldn't do that in ten million years. What do I? Where's Kevin, Kevin Love? Where's he going to play? Is he going to be the five? Is he? And I think there's these guys that just have trouble fitting in with the way basketball is being played now. And he's one of them. Drummond's another one. And they basically doubled down and were like, ah. But Love's like a really good example of some of these guys that we absolutely adore because of the stats. And then you go, okay, well, what's happening here? Well, and going back to Minnesota, 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 he's your stuff, best guy. Right. You're not winning ever. And his numbers were insane. Yeah. The rebounding numbers. Then he starts stretching the floor. I mean, he was, and then Rambus, you know, Rambus was like in the beginning, remember what they did with him? Like, okay, that's great. You're scoring all these points. You have all these rebounds, but you don't defend and we're not closing the game with you there. Yeah. And then they didn't give him the extra year. I mean, we're doing a Kevin Love biopic here. But uh, well, but I think it's interesting that he wanted people to get traded at, yeah, two people, months ago, and they literally could not trade him. Yeah, people were like, "No, we're doing you the favor. Like you're not trading us an asset. We're taking this off." So your I didn't. I had never heard that. I listened to uh, our friends Winhorst and Zach a couple of days ago, and Winhorst was talking about their shopping love. Like we'll take a first and an expiring, <laughs> and teams were telling them, "No, you'll give us the first. Yeah, if we're taking that." We're not taking that unless you give us something. And I thought that's that's a pretty big loss for uh, for Kevin Love. Um, okay, let's talk about. By the my- way, just I, I just think it's worth mentioning, like because Kevin Love the next two years is thirty one point two twenty nine. You know what I'm saying? Like we're we're still at sixty million plus. I know what you're saying, and what you're saying is yikes. Yeah, that's a you know. Hey, look, we're just trying to feed well, the kids info. It's a trade. It's a trade piece that like Michael Jordan peak. Terrible Michael Jordan trade would have been like, ah, we'll take him. It's good. How about some expirings for him? I'll yeah. throw in a first. I'll yeah. protect it. Top five. We didn't give up too much. And now you have this guy who's basically Nick Batum clogging up here. 
it, it's too bad. And I don't think this is necessarily Kevin Love's fault, but sometimes when you're that expensive, you basically priced yourself out of being on a good team because any good team is going to want to be paying $29 million for a top three that actually helps them win the title. You know, and then you think back to one of the most interesting, uh, I think, fork in the road moments of the decade, last decade, was Golden State with the Clay Thompson, Kevin Love thing. It's unbelievable, right? It's like he honestly did a documentary about it sets up the next five years of NBA history and how split people were, not just like publicly. I thought they should have done it. But internally, where you had these two groups and you had one side saying, do not trade Clay Thompson, him and Steph together, this is where basketball is going. And the other side, like, oh, Kevin Love, 25 and 13. Put him in with Steph, pick and rolls. Yeah. No, we need a front court. We have some depth. And, you know, you remember Clay, like as much as like the Siakam story is amazing, um, obviously Giannis and another level like Butler and Kawhi, like I always feel like guys that are great are great right away. But we've had a nice handful of players who are like some of the best players in this game where you go, it took a lot longer for these guys to develop. That's not normally how it works out. Yeah. But Clay, to a lesser degree, I think is overlooked in his improvement because he had, he had a stretch there where it looked like he could not actually dribble. Like everything was, he was very, yeah. And everything he got was dependent upon somebody else getting him set up. Now he got better at handling, but I think one of the things that I know that I made a mistake with on him was that, you know how amazing that is that you can score 30 and dribble seven times? Like some of these numbers that he's had over his career, yeah. like he had 40 and 11 dribbles. Like what do you, like that's insane. I mean, what did he have? 60 and three quarters or 61 and three quarters. And uh, I sent a tweet about how mad I was when they benched him. Miami. It seems like they're only ending up with Justice Winslow for Iguodala. It seems like Jackson, is that right? Is that how this netted out? Kevin Costner? Kevin Costner tweeted about it. Yeah, like they couldn't agree on the right So they wanted to re-sign Gallo yeah. for an extra year. Didn't happen. I was shocked when I saw this trade for a couple reasons. And then all of a sudden I realized what happened. So I'm going to walk through that process really quick. Don't take, take a long time to do no, it. No, I'm going to go quick. I think Iguodala is at a really dangerous stage of his career physically. And I thought he broke down the last two seasons. And I don't think he's the asset people seem to think he is. I think he's a great guy to have. He's certainly not somebody I would trade Justice Winslow for. Um, the counter with Winslow is that he has trouble staying on the court. Um, they're just for whatever reason, you can't keep them together for eight months. Um, I, I thought it was an incredible deal for Memphis where you have this guy who doesn't want to be there anyway. I'd much rather have a guaranteed guy under a good contract than the 22nd pick in the draft or whatever you're being offered. I didn't understand why Miami did this. And then I understood. So short-term Riley thinks they have a chance maybe to sneak out of the East. And if Iguodala is resembling the old Iguodala, great. That's going to be a better asset for them in Winslow. More importantly, in the piece that I'm not sure people have hammered enough, he gets out of the third year of Winslow's deal. I think Miami has been thinking about summer 2021 this whole time. They want to get to 2021 with Jimmy Butler's deal under contract. That's it. He's going to be making 35, 36, 38 million. I don't remember what it is. I think they want to go for Giannis and I think they want to go for Oladipo. Those would be my, my top two picks for them and whoever else is available in 2021. But I think this is about Giannis and about knowing that if you're going to try to get Giannis, 
he needs to be with a second guy, whoever that is. It's Old Depot or who are the other free agents available in 2021? Um, I'll have to I mean, there's some great here. ones, but to get Giannis, you need him to have his buddy, his buddy cop guy that goes with him, and you already have Butler in place. And Winslow making $13 million that summer is a problem. And they could have gotten rid of that contract now, gives them more flexibility, the whole thing. So I think that's what they were thinking. All right. Winslow's played 11 games this year. And the only time he's ever really looked sort of unlocked is when he played point guard last and year. That has been the best stretch of numbers that I've seen from him. And I think we've all fell in love with like what Winslow could be. But, you know, if we do a part two of that NBA support group thing, like Winslow would be a candidate for somebody being like, maybe it's time for me to give up here. So I I know the smart teams are on him. Yeah, but because there's some advanced metric shit with him and how he fits in with the other guys that I think is actually really positive for him. Like when he's playing, when he's healthy, I do think he's. I do think he's an asset, but um, you're Kawhi right. He, and, and George can opt out. Gordon Hayward's up. Conley. I mean, you know, I'm going through some of these guys. Uh, that's the Anthony Davis thing, depending on how Oladipo. he does the ex- extension. Um, and Oladipo, it was good to see him back last night in an epic collapse against Toronto. And people got to understand, like, hey, Toronto's going to play their asses off those last couple minutes. They're going to press you. Like, you got to put in some anti-press stuff. You know, like you ever watch a college game where you're like, did you guys never practice against the press? And it sounds funny that it happens to NBA guys, yeah. but it's the whole zone thing. If you played zone all the time, you get killed eventually. You would. But when you do it to just screw somebody up, it, it really is. I don't care if you're 25 or 27 and a bunch of years in the league, it messes you up. Like, okay, don't dribble to the corner, you know, throw it back middle, throw it backwards, swing it to the other side. And like the Pacers melted down. Um, I'd la- I want to see Oladipo get back to what he was where, you know, he's had some shooting stretches here where they haven't been great. I'm not necessarily holding that against him, but before I think I it's would- a strange fit with him and all those other guys. Well, cause they, they really established a nice offensive chemistry without him. They're really I fun think the, to watch. I think the way Brogdon runs that team, I, we, the last time we were and here Sab- together, I picked him for the all-star team. Yeah. And then Sabonis and, and you look at like, you and know, they Miles have is always guys a little, in the red spots, yeah, but like watching them last night, thinking they were going to get that win against Toronto, and Toronto goes an 11-0 run to close the game. I'm thinking this is a nice win from this group, man. This yeah. is a really nice win. Now, granted, uh, Norman Powell's out, but then like Terrence Davis steps up, and well, I want to talk off. about Indiana in a second. Uh, wait a minute, where were we? We were, we were talking. We were he, talking about Justice he, uh, Winslow and Miami, and and I don't think it matters for Miami because look, the fact that Duncan Robinson is who he is. Watching that cu- guy cut off the ball, like there's high school coaches in Indiana right now that canceled Pornhub. Right. And they're like, I'm going to watch this instead. Or they're searching Pornhub for Duncan <laughs> Robinson. <laughs> that Kendrick Nunn is a little bit like Lou Williams is my hero. Okay. Yeah. There's a little of Nunn where you're like, but the fact that he is that is insane. And then the fact that Hero, who kind of looked like the odd man out early on, like the Heat have added. If you include Butler and Bam's improvement, Bam's yeah. gone from like, hey, nice little guy. To, I can't believe the decisions that he makes as a guy playing the five in this game. That's like five new dudes that all help this team out right now. And that's where I think they look at Winslow going, yes. But your Iguodala concern is probably fair, too. Well, I think they obviously decided Winslow wouldn't be playing crunch time for them in a playoff game. No chance. I mean, he's not playing now. They Iguodala gives them... The veteran, the potential lockdown guy, I'm just really dubious that he's going to help them. I think he, first of all, he's 36 years old. I'm going to look A ton of miles too. on him. I think he's got like what? He's got uh, like over 1,100 regular season games and over 140 or 150 playoff games. And those playoff games, I always count as like one and a half. Every playoff game counts as one and a half games. 
because they're so intense. I started to think too, and yeah, no, it, it was happening the last couple of years. And I'll I'll go through the the game logs here. I just too. think that's a tough position to keep going at a high level when you're when you're 36 with all the shit that he's gone through and the various injuries he's had. To expect him to swing a two playoff series for you seems a little unrealistic, but I, I felt like he became uh -oh. somebody who, like, as a three point shooter. Trade? It's not a trade, but speaking of those guys, like Mark Stein said, the Lakers are expected to give free agent J.R. Smith a post trade up on a mission and he's in favor to sign Darren Collins. Oh, congratulations. J.R. Smith and Darren Carlson. Uh, two, two more guys who think they should play on the Lakers. Carlson. Like that, that had been out there whether it was going to be the Clippers so or the So they waive the Rondo? Time. That's been bad. The Rondo stuff. I Maybe. feel like I know basketball really well. I did not see the Rondo second half of his career just turning into like kind of not really an asset stage happening. Yeah, but remember when like he had that 40. revival though in New, New Orleans? Orleans? And you're like, wait a minute. And that was kind of the Rondo thing. It's like, you think everybody's critical of you. You just proved how much you mail it in at times. I mean, he even on his way out of Boston was like, you know, I didn't really play defense the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Admitted go, it. You would just admitted it. Uh, I thought physically he was moving around really well at the beginning of the year. Watching Lakers games, I'm like, look at this guy. He's Is he like guard Roy Hibbert where the league just moved against him in this really dramatic way and reduced? This guy in 2010 was the best player in a series with LeBron James in a back-to-back -back MVP year. He outplayed LeBron James in a playoff series and sent him home packing. Rajon Rondo. Remember his it's Bulls series? It's not like he series? was like just good. Right. Remember he the was Bulls series awesome. before that? He yeah. was unbelievable. What about 2012? Like he was the best player on that team. That team almost made the finals. I don't understand it. I mean, I understand it because I know the math has moved a certain way and who knows, but it's weird. It's, it, since the knee injury was never really able to recapture where he was. But for somebody that everybody's always like, look how smart he is, look how smart he is. I mean, he was somebody last year that just, he becomes so defiant. Like yeah. Rick Carlisle is probably one of the smartest guys that probably does the most with the least more often than not. Yeah. Like I look back to the Mavs record last year. I'm like, how the hell did that team win that many games? And other people just go, look, Rick's, Rick's that good. And Rondo completely checked out on him. And then last year it was like a mutiny against Luke. And then he sits down, Rondo sits down in the stands and then he like got pissed at everybody for pointing out that that's kind of a beat move. Like, why right. are you doing that? Like, you're clearly showing him up. You've been in this league a long time. I mean, that goes all the way back to Kentucky that as talented as Rondo was, he was somebody that was always a little difficult to get along with. So now when you see the decline in play, I, I'm just, I had a moment in the beginning of this year where I thought, oh, okay, this makes sense. And LeBron's always liked him. Like LeBron's always wanted to play with him, always liked him a lot. And that's why I they think brought he him wants, back. He does definitely want a couple of those role guys that aren't going to be like, I can't believe I'm playing with LeBron James. Yeah, right. Right? Hey, so can that, I have your cell phone number? He's like that. Boogie's kind of like right. that. Like Caruso um, FaceTime, he hammered again. Well, Jared Smith. Jared Smith's like, they, they could be hanging out at three in the morning and Jared Smith could look at LeBron and be like, I just want you to know something. I feel like I was every bit as good as you were. And yeah. he would be serious. Yeah. He was like, you know what? I... I just feel like I should get more credit for 2016. Like he would honestly believe that. Like, do you guys want to watch my McDonald's high school game again? <laughs> I was fucking great in high school. His McDonald's game is one of the so all-timers. The, the Miami thing, I don't think they did enough. I thought they were on the fringes if they could have pulled off the Gallinari thing. And I think it's really interesting that they wouldn't agree to an extension with him because that goes back to my Giannis theory. Uh, I, think I think you're overrating all Winslow. in on Giannis. I, look, maybe the Winslow thing works in Memphis. No pressure. You're away from all that stuff. But it's not like Winslow is going to have the ball in his hands a ton, ton with jaw. 
They cleared the, the money off of that. They changed the way they did the contract structure with Iguodala. Um, I think they want a guy that's a bit more of a warrior, even though I think Iguodala became kind of like a marginal closeout guy yeah. towards the end where there were warriors where before it's like, you got to make sure you get a hand in his face. And sometimes you're like, all right, maybe we'll let him take a couple and kind of see where he's at tonight. Um, he should be rested. He should be good to go. And if it protects their future thing and you throw in Jay Crowder, who I feel like everybody's like, we got Jay Crowder. Um, and it he's, maybe doesn't work out. He's a little Marcus Morrissey where yeah. he actually, when you have him, you go, hey, this guy's good. Yeah. Didn't realize. Yeah. And then he takes the biggest shot of the game with 40 seconds left. And you're like, what the fuck just happened? No. Why and then did he take that? Winslow just wasn't going to play in this rotation. So it's a deep team. Uh, I like what Miami did. And yet I would, you know, these buyout guys, we get really excited about them. Like, really, remember Damon Stoudemire towards the end? It's like, oh, the Spurs got him. So buyout you know. guys... Um, I had this as a list. Reggie Jackson, possibly. He's done, right? He's Tristan uh, Thompson. Tristan would be. Okay, I haven't always been the biggest Tristan fan, but I'm. I'm telling you, like, I'm still so impressed with the way that guy moves around. Reggie, Reggie. When I went to that Celtics game, I was like, this is exactly the kind of guy who would be awesome in the Celtics. He rebounds and he rolls to the rim with his hands up and which is basically what Tice does too. Yeah, but I love those guys the fact succeed that, on the Celtics. Like which bigs can you keep on the floor in certain playoff matchups? Like can he switch on a small guys? And who, he was who he been used in to big be, games. Right. And he uh he's that so, guy. The uh, fact that Reggie, they, I don't know. I I think he's he's a guy that can put up some numbers, but I don't know that he's ever been um he's shooting it better this can year. Can I take a victory lap? On from three. He's terrible overall. Yeah. I've been saying for four months that Tristan Thompson was a buyout candidate and I keep getting emails from Cavs fans like, fuck you. You're going to get a number first. one. Yeah. That's bullshit. Well, now they just traded for Andre Drummond and they probably signed him to an extension. Guess who's getting bought out at the end of February? Tristan Thompson. They'll save money. They'll, they'll dump him and he's going to become easily the most important buyout guy. I wonder, uh, don't he, you think he's still with clutch, right? He's got to be, I mean, they hooked him up with that incredible deal. I'm just thinking. Hooked them up is one way to put it. Uh, here, here's what I'm asking, though. Clippers? Now, that's well, somebody in the Clippers. I, he's he's, he's crunch time five for the okay, Clippers. Okay, but do they, what? does he end up on the Clippers? To defy if, LeBron? Yeah. I, I mean, if he wants to play in crunch time, he should go to the Celtics. That would be my advice to, to Tristan Thompson. I want to see it just for another lame canter tweet. Pretending he's happy with it, but yeah. then he, you find out in minute 48 on his podcast that he's kind of bummed out. Like anybody that's ever watched any Celtics games goes, all right, they need another big. Like they just need, like Tice is a nice player. Canner has his moments. Can I, can I push back on that? You think they're good? No, I don't. Because I look, they're better than the Sixers have been. I do like the Canner-Tice combo. I think they need a third guy because I'm worried about injury and I'm worried about foul trouble. Right, and, but like Canner, anytime somebody says like they need help, up front, like acts like it's this, you know, active. She's personally right, insulted right. by it. She's like, okay, I get it. I would like to see them get another person. So we don't think Miami did enough. Do we think Philly did enough? They added uh, Alec Burks and Big Dog Jr. Gave up a couple second rounders, got Golden State some tax relief. Alex, Alec Burks was good this year. Alec Burks I was actually somebody, really surprised Golden State didn't keep him. Alec Burks is somebody that you get for a couple of weeks and you're like, wow, how do we get this guy? Yeah, um, he's amazing. Yeah, he's been on three teams now in a very short amount of time. Uh, I thought I they, think they were desperate. Him. I think they were desperate to add any kind of scoring depth. <sighs> the weird thing is, is like sometimes I think that they do have depth. 
Um, but we know their biggest issue. And I, I went through all the numbers now. Whatever the offensive thing is, like they're splitting up Simmons and Embiid more now. And it's always weird tracking those minutes because Embiid misses time. So it's like what percentage of Simmons minutes are by himself when Embiid's healthy and which percentage it's is it when so he's not awkward. playing. But now, like they went from, I forget what the number is, like their per 100 possession three years ago was pretty good with the two of them on the floor. Yeah. Then it got worse. And now it's like almost below average offensively. And then there's Horford and Embiid pairing numbers that are brutal. You left out at the part that there's suddenly like a lot of Shake Milton. <laughs> well, that's because Richardson's been out. I don't know how many games in a I row. I just say maybe I would have, would have maybe. I I just felt like may, and maybe Burks maybe they think he can kind of be the pseudo point guard spot with Simmons as the actual point guard, but I don't know. I, that that team seems pretty flawed to me. When they're bad, it's so. I mean, we already know this with them. But would you pick them? I mean, would you pick the Celtics against them if it's a 6-3 matchup? No. Because I wouldn't. They, I'd pick they, Philly. More talent. But the the frustrating part is... Is it be, more talent or is it just that a... It's just more high ceiling. Talent. And I know what happened in the last game and Boston was great in that game defensively with the way they double And Beat had just come back. Right. He's, they were throwing stuff at him. But uh, I think the tragedy of this is that they were so much fun when Embiid wasn't there. And it like unlocked Simmons. If I was a GM... You're thinking this summer, if there, if this becomes panic town, one of these guys has to go kind of stuff. I'd watch those eight games. You'd be like, could could I build a high-powered offense around this guy? I actually think the answer is yes. And I, I said it before in a previous pod we did. It's a little Lamar Jackson-y. Like, you have to construct an offense that fits what he does. But I think if you did it, he's going to score 20 and get 12 and 13 every night, basically, with the right team and the right kind of usage rate. Yeah, the heat game was bad. Um, and then we'll see. The Heat game was like kind of dangerous to me in what because way? that's a team that they destroyed earlier in the season. It's a pretty big game. You got your guys back. You already got embarrassed on a Saturday night and you get your ass kicked by Miami. Yeah. Like that game is over in the second quarter. Yeah. I mean, there's a little, I mean, there's always a little bit of a run now, but like they were doing some two man stuff where they were attacking like an Embiid Simmons switch. I mean, they only did yeah. it a couple times, and I saw it. And I'm like, oh, man, like Miami's so crisp. Like everything they do is crisp purpose, you know? And I, and I kind of felt like that way about the Pacers a little bit last night. But I'm like, Philly's just going like, what? Like Philly would be trying to figure out what the switch was or where it was going or what the handoff was. And it was like, before you guys even recognized what the hell was going on, the shot was up. Well, that's that's a good conversation. Teams that just, because we're at 50 games now. This is where you you're going you're pretty much who you are at this point, especially now after trade deadline. The teams that just when you watch them, you're just like, oh yeah, they're good. Um, Toronto, Indiana. Toronto, big time. I think Miami most nights. Yeah. They remind me of that. They're a little weird on the road, not as bad as Philly. What's Philly like nine and eighteen? Weirdly, on the road Memphis. Now? No, just the teams that know who they are and night to night, they're gonna do what they do. I think Dallas when Doncic is healthy. It's a team that knows what it is. And you go down down the line, there's a lot of them. And I mentioned this because when Philly has all their guys, I don't feel like they know who they are. I don't think they know. First of all, the first check, check mark on the box is, is Embiid feeling it tonight? Yeah. He's not? All right, what's our plan B? How much is he getting doubled? Like he yeah. needs to do, and I know it's the hand a little bit, but he needs to do a better job. And he was always so good at this. Like the thing that I thought made him special as a post player it was like he had good awareness to skip it and everything, but he'll have these moments, especially late, and that's kind of the knock against Embiid. Like, should you give him all these touches? Well, you should because he's really good, but how well does he do against some of these doubles, stagger double, like, hey, 
I'll, I'm not going to double you on the catch. I'm going to double you on the dribble, you know, and it's like, all right, it screws me up. And then if you don't have shooting around it, like, what am I doing? Passing it back out to Ben Simmons. My favorite fake trade was Conley for Tobias Harris. <sighs> Utah wins a trade. Philly gets out of that Harris contract and hopes Conley's rejuvenated as their real point guard. Is Tobias Harris taller Willie Barton? <laughs> Willie. Yeah. He I like to call 50. him Willie. I like to call him Willie Barton. Tobias Harris. If can, you can drop 50, your name should be Willie. Can you read Tobias Harris's contract to our audience? Yeah, I would uh I would hate to for Philly fans. I get what I did it though, you know. You hey, do? I do. Um, who else did I want to compare him to? I sent you a text on this the other night. Taller Willie Barton or more expensive. Jay Crowder? No, no, no. Not oh Jay Oh my Crowder. God. Look at all these texts from GMs. Um, mate, this joke, it's actually been built up too much now. So we're going to, we're going to pass. Look at all these to jokes from TM GMs. No, no. I just, I, I had a taller Willie Barton or more expensive somebody else. So I, I think there was a comp there. So I'm doing two things at once. Um, I'm going to audible while you're looking this up. Yep. Um, I, I personally don't think Philly did enough, but there you go. Well, I don't know what they were going to do. I mean, are they going to trade Horford? Can we talk about Atlanta getting Clint Capella and Dwayne Dedman? Yeah, they to got To go big. with John Collins? They got big. What's the purpose? Uh, by the way, Tobias Harris, uh, $35 million, then 36 next year, 37.6, and then an almost $40 million. Uh, That's 23-24. And I had heard, like, Tobias is like, look, I just, all right, that's cool. I'll take this, and then we'll figure it out later. Tobias is like, he's getting read the numbers. He's like, 40 and you're four? Yeah. 40 total? Can, oh, 40 in the four. If I say yes right now, they can't back out, right? And remember, like, he didn't, he wasn't going to take, like, those those extensions where it's like, well, you can take it now or make way contract. more later on. Uh, I, Atlanta. I hate when, Atlanta. Yeah. That Clint Capella and Dwayne Dedman, who has two more years at his contract after this one and who is just demonstrably unhappy. He Fine. Tried, he tried to make our all miserable first team. He's a backup. It was too crowded. We made him a backup. Apologies to him. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I don't know what Atlanta's doing. I don't know what to make of anything they're doing, except for that Trey Young's been playing really well for them. Shout out to him. Can I ask He's you? He's feisty night after night after night. He's a fucking handful. Um, I still don't He gets know. officiated like he's been playing 10 years in the league, It's though. unbelievable. I can't believe the calls oh, that man, he gets. Now, they're, now the Trey Young guys are going to no, come all right. out. No, it's all right. No, it's the, fair. The Traithers? Did you just come up with that? Yeah, I just did right now. That's good. The Traithers? You're back. Is Bill Simmons back? I'm fucking back. It's a, got Start that Swedish blood running through me. I'm feeling great. Uh, so the Traithers. Yeah, that's good. You should make a shirt. Traithers? Yeah. Can we it. make that a shirt? Get on that, guys. Okay, make good. it like an off-white hoodie, and the kids are going to love it. <laughs> off-white was huge in South Beach this week. Off-white's great. The Clippers went for it. I just they I, made those awesome LA Clippers sweatshirts. Ben, my Ben Simmons has a Clippers sweatshirt that he wears, not because I like the Clippers, Clippers, because it's a cool sweatshirt. Wanted to make that clear. Do you think that Ben Simmons will last longer with Embiid, or your Ben Simmons will last longer with you? Who's going to play more years with them going yeah. forward? I don't know. It's you, dicey. I feel like you have a longer term it's deal dicey. with with your Ben. I, you know, we the Simmons family still roots for Philly Ben Simmons. 
Do you? Yeah, we do. That surprises I me. I was worried for about a year that he might be the next LeBron James and that would be weird for my son, but now it's in a great spot. He just has the same name as a, a frustratingly talented and You guys awesome had like a cute little player. Twitter thing going on when he we was We did. In I was rooting for him. Yeah. I didn't like when he laid over in the LSU season. I don't think he really did. That season was a mess. He kind of. Yeah, but if you have that many rebounds, you're not you're not some guy that's not putting in effort. I thought it was like four guys that all thought they were the guy. There were all these wings. The coaching wasn't terrific. Whatever. I have an incredibly important question for you. That's your LSU recap from four years ago. Do you think you could hold this podcast alone for three minutes while I go pee? Yeah. Yeah, I think I can do that. Okay. This is great. Guys, we're making history right now. Rosillo solo. I'm still trying to find- I'm still trying to find that um, that joke that's just not going to be funny enough to go ahead and do this. So I guess that's it. So I guess that's it for the trades. Um, I just wanted to do a quick recap on the Mookie Betts trade. So it's uh, it's two players, Verdugos, who's just one guy. And anytime you can sign or trade for a reliever that weighs 270 plus and has already had a blown out elbow for two plus years, you obviously have to go ahead and make that trade. Um, this is the Mookie segment, though, for all the baseball writers out there that are far smarter than I am about this because you remind us all the time. If the best you can do is Verdugo and a prospect who's already blown on his elbow, there's a really good chance you can do that well again during the All-Star break. And that was talking baseball. I want to talk Celtics when Bill isn't here just to bum him out a little bit and be like, oh, what did I miss? Do, you want something or do I need something? Yeah. Now, Davis Bertans is not somebody you just give away. I had heard Philly was hot on him, but Philly didn't really have a lot of trade assets outside of their main guys. And um, a lot like, like Philly has this thing where I guess you could still kind of hold out hope that if everybody's playing together all at the same time and you figure out these rotations, I don't know. Look, I picked him to come out of the East. Philadelphia is easily the most disappointing team in the NBA. I don't really know how that's even debatable. Um, I guess you could say Houston a little bit, but obviously you guys know that I'm not the biggest Rockets guy uh, in California. But the Celtics, this rotation, this turnover of guys never being... Do you remember when Wu-Tang toured with Rage Against the Machine? I think it was in the late what? 90s. I don't think any of the staffers here are going to remember that. Oh, but at one point, Wu-Tang and Rage toured together. And what ended up happening was... When you saw Wu Tang, you didn't know who was going to show up. Like Wu Tang would just no. I'm comparing the the Boston Celtics to Wu Tang when they toured with Rage Against the Machine. So what happened was like they cancel. I think they ended up canceling this whole tour. Ninety seven. Yeah, ninety seven. Because I remember that because it was the year uh, I was supposed to graduate, and they were like, "All right, enough." Because like Wu Tang was ten deep, thirteen deep, and they thought like, "Look, if six of us show up, that's still sort of like getting Wu Tang." Yeah. And yet the Celtics feel a little bit like that. I'd like to see a 20-game stretch where all those guys play together. My Tatum ceiling was revisited probably a month or so ago where I Listen, go. T- Tatum, the the true believers, and even I wavered last year. It's So you think it's good now. It's like he's no more doubt of Tatum is allowed. Because you know what stat? I'm just going to, sorry, I have to finish this part. Go. There was a stat, I think it was, he's like, hey, his longest stretch ever of 20 plus points per game six games, doubling his previous longest stretch. And I go, that's great, but isn't that a little weird that in his third year, he had never had more than three games in a row with 20 points? Yeah. So, I don't know. 
that's what I feel good about. I think this is it. He's turned the corner. I think he has elevated his ability to finish from eight feet and in, which was the flaw in his game. He would either lose the ball. Last year, it's like his ball handling wasn't great. Or he'd have, make like the perfect move and the ball go off the backboard or he'd roll in and out. Twanitis. He's, he, it's starting to happen. I'm just telling you. It's okay, starting to happen. So this is it. So he is going to be there is, the face of a franchise on a good team. Sometimes when he would drive to the basket, it was like it had never happened in his life before. The way he would, re, you know, he'd go a little too fast or like, now there's like a calm about him when he's doing some of this stuff that's starting to look a little T-Mac-ish. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I, my big thing with him is like, if he's just never going to be able to finish, you're never going to be a great scorer. I, th what we're starting to see there's with him no is the way finishing. He shouldn't be able to finish. He sh he's got, and he can go left or right. right. He's got long ass spider arms, Spider-Man arms. Um, Did you oh, like I the most some bad news. The Clippers will not be keeping Isaiah Thomas. Jeez. Do you remember the Isaiah Thomas thing that, look, if we would do a quick revisit of the Isaiah Thomas timeline, what he did for Boston was incredible. I still think people have to understand that like the second best offensive player on the team was Avery Bradley. So everything was set up for Isaiah, every yeah. single possession, high screen roll, but he did it. He produced and they beat that Wizards team that they he probably awesome. shouldn't have beaten. I mean, that was like, when you looked at that Wizards team, you go, you guys are just mentally not tough enough. I'm not saying like curios, mentally soft, but close to it. Tennis reference. And so when my favorite, my favorite male tennis player. Oh, are you serious? I'm, I'm always, it, it's like watching somebody walk on the third oh. rail of a subway. But you're a big McEnroe guy, right? No, I'm right, right now. The guy, the guy I like watching the most is curious. I'm just rooting for him to put it together. And I know he never will. Yeah. I don't, I don't, well, maybe he's just going to melt down in a match at some point. And you, each time I watch, I'm like, this is the time he's not going to melt down. Yeah. And then he melts down. No, you're right, though, because there's like, okay, that's the point you lost, and now you're going to break something, now you're going to yell, and it's everybody else's And now fault. you're going to lose the next like, 11 points. And the thing that sucks about tennis is if you're mentally soft, you can't hide. No. Like, there's guys playing in games all the time that we don't really get to notice, like, oh, because football, there's a million dudes out there, basketball. Basketball, a little bit, here or there. Golf's like that, too, by the way. If you bogey 15, I remember you just shot for the last three holes because you had a bogey. Uh, the Red Sox in 03, after the fact, when they had that Yankee series, we all know the game, the Boone walk-off. Yeah. Um, they traded Mookie Betts this week, by the way. Uh, he was like, I would sit there and pray the ball wasn't hit to me. You imagine We're, being a major leaguer, like a good one. And you're like, I just don't want the ball hit to me in Yankee Stadium. We're ending the podcast with Mookie Betts. I have okay. a tweet to read from you, from Andre Drummond. To me? He just did this tweet to the world. Oh. If there's one thing I learned about the NBA, there's no friends or loyalty. So that was a good clubhouse. I've given my heart and soul to the Pistons and to be have this happen, typo, to be have this happen with no heads up makes me realize even more that this is just a business exclamation point. I love you, Detroit, dot, dot, dot. Wow. It's emotional. That's like a 30 for 30 maybe. What if I told you a guy was traded? Did Andre not have the internet? <laughs> oh, I have some more bad news. League source says there will be no buyout for Tristan Thompson in Cleveland. So I just what, said what? 20 mi minutes ago, I guaranteed a buyout. Edit that Kyle, out. Edit that out. Edit that Never out, happened. Kyle. Oh, shit. We're taping this. Fuck. Um, why wouldn't they buy him out? I don't understand. Is that posturing? I don't, I don't 
understand. Why wouldn't like, you save like two and a half million bucks? All he's going to do is help you have a better record so you have a worse draft pick. Why wouldn't you get rid of him? Yeah, I don't know. They go That's Twin fun. Towers. They're going to zag the ultimate zag, Thompson and Drummond. That would be funny if elbows, double elbow, like Kobe Altman's got his guys in his war room and he's like, guys, have an idea. Let's go. Everyone's huge. trying to get shooting. Yeah. What about rebounds? Yeah. If we win the rebounding battle every night, get 30 rebounds a night between Drummond and Love. What, what does if, that look like? What if our new thing is boxing out? <laughs> they miss a shot, the other team. We miss one a, chance. We miss a ton of shots. We're gonna have a lot of offensive rebounds. Right. Two guys pounding the boards, going back old school. <laughs> Bring back the 80s. Uh, all right, we have to talk about this Houston four-team trade that happened. I don't know what to make of Atlanta. What was weird to me is Bates Diop was one of those guys when you watch League Pass <laughs> and you go, wait, which one's Culver and which one's Bates Diop? Which one's the guy they drafted? I feel like Timberwolves. The, pick? the Timberwolves, like uniforms at times, I'd be like, oh man, Culver's moving pretty good. Oh, that's Wiggins. Like, right, I would right. get so confused. Yeah, because the they time. have the high camera angle. I don't know what the hell was all going on. All the wing guys right. on both teams, but Bates Diop, I liked. And Denver just kind of sneaks him into the trade and he's just a throw in and people, you know, he's the guy with the hyphen, but. I actually feel like he could play in a playoff series for them. I can't believe I'm saying that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I just liked him. He's he's a like classic the, like the three Denver and D guy. Hall in that deal. You're like, wait, what? They got a Rockets first. That's fine, but I'm just saying for like a team that and Bates Diop for basically they gave up Malik Beasley, who they weren't going to sign anyway because he's a restricted free agent. He's going to leave. Yeah, they could forever. They couldn't work that thing out. And I actually think Beasley became a little overrated and all this. So that that four team trade was really weird. Because you're just going, what is what is this again? It seemed like the four GMs were at a hotel bar at 3.30 in the morning and had too much. Like, do you just want to trade something? Yeah, what, what do you got? Can I get Bates DM? Sure! Yeah, text her. <laughs> Here he is. No, text her. That'd be cool. Um, text her. You got that like 10 seconds later. Thanks, though. <laughs> um, guys who didn't get traded. So I have a list. I'm sorry, guys. I've done a terrible job of throwing to the graphics. The ball. We I had, had a list graphics of, this whole yeah, we show. We had some graphics. Oh, no. Yeah, my bad. I got excited. I had a list of the ballsy trade assets. Yeah, yeah. Porzingis, D'Angelo Russell, Drew Holiday, Victor Oladipo I had on that list. Aaron Gordon and Miles Turner. Those were like the six guys where, oh, man, they fucking threw their balls on the table with that one. Russell did get traded. Um... Out of those other guys, I guess Holiday was throwing a lot of stuff. If I'm New Orleans, the way Zion's playing, we should talk about Zion. I'm, I'm not trading Drew Holiday. If Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram, and Zion Williamson, what? Do, why went and, and all this other stuff? I'm not. I'm not trading away people. If anything, I'm going to try to acquire people. I was surprised he was in trade stuff that much. The guy that I thought was going to go was uh, Bogdanovich on Sacramento. And I thought that was going to be Denver's trade target. I was that telling Winhorst awesome. and Zach, I yeah. was like, why is everybody talking about Drew Holiday with Denver? It's going to be Bogdanovich. But then once Sacramento made that Dwayne Dedman deal, it was clear that they were clearing space for Bogdanovich for the summer. So that wasn't going to happen. But um, did you think there was any chance Holiday was going to get traded? Because I did not. The price tag I heard on it was was massive. Um, well, and the were, smart teams like love his yeah. stats and stuff. And that I think in this game... You know what I, you know, as much as I, I look at some of these offensive players and I, you know, this happens with Toronto a lot 
where uh, if you're not if you're not warding people off with your off arm as an offensive player, if you're not chucking people to the ground with your off hand, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Like what you're allowed to do now with your off arm is is ridiculous. So you can talk about not hand checking defensively. You're basically allowed to hand chuck. And Siakam has it where he wards you off. I mean, Giannis has been carrying the ball and doing this stuff for a Kawhi. while. Uh, Kawhi, a lot of that shoulder, but it like doesn't look like he's doing it. Lowry dribbles straight into you as a running back. Right. But what I do like about Lowry when he's not complaining the entire game is that <laughs> he does a great job with Van Vliet of kind of like, you run it, I'll run it, where that can be problematic for a Chris lot of Paul's teams. Chris Paul's another one that's good at it now. They're so good at it in Toronto, and that's what I think you get when you get a Drew Holiday. Because he's had to do it with Alonzo. We know he's good defensively. That's we know why we're good together. Stuff. Yeah. I just took a piss and you were, I came back. You were talking about the Wu-Tang Clan. It was great. I wasn't worried at all. What if I had just come back and be like, hey, we were done with the deadline. We're doing 90s re-listenables. You're just like, or you were just sitting here like this. <laughs> like I, I got nervous. I froze. <laughs> I did that once on an ESPN news bump. We used to have these two minute bumps. Yeah. And they were always brutal. And you were like, hey, what do you want to do for TV? And we'd look at each other and be like, what do we, I don't know. What, what do we, and it was never, it was never as good as you want it to be. I go, hey, I'm just going to, I'm going to freeze. Like Scott was gone. He forgot to come back. Yeah. He forgot to come back for it. So I just went to Stanford Steve. I'm like, hey, I'm going to freeze. I'm going to pretend I'm so nervous because I'm in here by myself. Who cares? Let's just do it. And I was like, oh. He's uh, he, trying to get on the internet. Yeah, producers yeah. are like, go, go. <laughs> like, what's he doing? They didn't see the humor in it. When I did Countdown, we had those 20 second breaks during the game where they come out of commercial and it's like, in Philadelphia, Ben Simmons had 32 points tonight and it's got to be 20 seconds exactly and it ends with, well, let's go back to Hubie and Mark Jones and San Antonio. And you would do it? You would voice it? So it was the year it was me, Wilbon, Jalen, and Magic. Magic yeah. wasn't going to do it. Right. Wilbon was, you know, at his, at his desk. So it was me or Jalen. So Jalen would do a lot of it, but then I was like, I really want to start doing these. I want to help out. And I would do them. And I can't tell you how incompetent I was. It's actually harder to do those, it's but the so funny thing hard is, to do, but is, you have to do it in the 20 seconds. Yeah. And I would be like either too soon, when you too get late, too, it's the worst. I'd forget, yeah. I'd get into it. I'd forget who I was throwing <laughs> the game to. And I'd be like, back to you guys. Um, I, it's really hard because a couple analysts are good at it. Yeah. Then what happens, like the industry will go, hey, you know what's really cool is the analyst is tossing a break now. So let's let's do that. And then I couldn't it's like, read highlights. I just was bad at it. But it's, the, it's harder to do than you think. I, don't I could know host I was by the end it. of the the first season, I could host the show. I could bring you in. I could introduce people. I could set up. I could drive it. And then it was the highlights were like my kryptonite. <laughs> let's go to Miami. So we used to do we used to do call sheets where I, we would call it my sports center tryout for these stupid TV segments that we did. Yeah. And Van Pelt's like a anchor man. Right. Right. Those guys, so like, it's like a special. Right. So DNA. They, take, they take it kind of seriously. Like my whole point was I was going to screw with that and be like, all right, we're Nats Cubbies, you know, Matt Joyce, test him for roids. That <laughs> one is gone. <laughs> I just started like doing all these <laughs> stupid things. Peter Cup. Right. Yeah, man. Like, oh, wow. He's not going home alone tonight. Boom. Um. Anyway. Can we go Ballsy trade assets cheaper? Yes. Here's that list. Marcus Smart didn't go anywhere. Would you, can I, can I ask you that? If there was a nice player that they liked, a big that made sense, would you be in the camp of you can't trade Marcus Smart at all because of what he means spiritually to the Celtics? I would have traded him for Miles Turner if that was on the table. All right. So I would have done my, if it was Miles Turner and Aaron Holiday together for Smart, whatever, 
one of the picks. What, whatever Langford, that version is. What, is Langford untouchable? Did you see him, did you see him last night? Uh, I didn't watch a ton of last night's game. I do like Langford. I, I mean, I, I don't feel like a lot of people are untouchable on the Celtics except for Tatum and Brown and Kemba. I would say there's three untouchable people. I honestly would keep Tatum and Brown above everything. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that's what this league is. Yeah. Multiple position wings, man. The thing with Smart, and KOC and I have done a lot of texting about it, and I really like Marcus Smart, and I think he's an awesome Celtic, and he's a guy that when he retires, there will be a night for him, and if he plays his whole career, he'll have his number retired. That I seems just, a number retired. Well, well, if he's there for 17 years or something, I could I could see like some maybe a complete pan, overreaction. Maybe a pamphlet. At least a long video. Yes. Um, longer than longer than the Dwight Howard Houston Rockets return tribute video. The problem is when everybody's back, he kind of has to be out there because he's Marcus Smart and he's got this kind of hold over everybody. But you, now you're playing with Kemba. That means I can only play two of Brown and Tatum and Hayward and I need a big or I could go small. I just don't think he's one of their best five players. Or I guess I should say one of their best four players, if you assume that you had need a big. I always want them to play the three wings together in the last seven minutes of a game. I know all the stuff Marcus does, but I think the advantage that this Celtics team has is the interchangeability of those three guys at the wing. Yeah. And the fact that all of them can create their shot, all of them can play slash and kick, and you put Marcus in there, and he's just not as good of an offensive player as those guys. He's not. And he can have streaks. He can make 11 threes in a game. He took, what, 22 threes in that Phoenix yeah, game and, where a bunch of guys Guess what? Are out? They lost. And yeah. it's one of those he things. He made where, a bunch, too. Yeah. But, but when he's doing better and his usage rate is up, I actually think that's in a bad place for the Celtics. Totally My agree. dream game for him is two for four with like eight assists, nine rebounds, and three steals. That's what I want from him. But he's he's one of those guys. He's kind of overqualified to be that guy. And I don't know. I just think for the destiny of that team, it's those three wings on the court at the same time with Kemba and a big, and that's when they're the hardest to play. I hit the wrong tab on Marcus Smart here. Do you want to guess what his total fines paid for suspensions and technicals and everything is? Oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah, I'd love to guess this. 132,000? 280. Oh my God. I had... What did he do? Well, you got 50 grand for the Embiid thing last year. Oh. He got... Uh, the Bembry fight was thirty-five grand. Fight's strong. Um, Fight's a strong one. Right, right. But obscene gesture <laughs> during the Chicago playoff game. I couldn't believe it. I hit the wrong tab. I'm like, oh my gosh! Like every technical's two grand. So out of, the, out of those ballsy trade assets, know. oh, it's two grand. I, if I were the Nets, I would have traded Dinwiddie because I, I think ultimately, if you're going to keep Kawhi, Kyrie and uh, KD together, I don't know where Dinwiddie plays. He's not a complimentary guy. I think he wants to be a real guy. And I thought it was interesting. They didn't trade him. I, w I had Van Vliet on this list just because he's got a year left and it's the kind of weird ballsy Maasai move. We're like, wow, they traded Van Vliet. He won them the title, but they end up winning the trade. By the way, uh, the it's a player option, but to have, yeah, I don't know. The Dinwiddie thing. I just wanted to double check that contract because it's a nice number. It's got a couple it years. Was, it was a good extension, but it, it, it isn't. He has only, he has the, uh, the player option going into... You know, it's I like honestly 20. think Dinwiddie at his production at 11.5 for another year, you wait you're not in a hurry. To yeah, trade you're waiting. That, so. That's a good point. Joe Harris is a free agent. I, I was wondering if they just packed it in this year. Could somebody get him? Do the Van Vliet thing again, because I'm going to ask you, would you rather keep Lowry or Van Vliet? Well, I have to pay Van Vliet. Yeah. I'm eventually going to have to pay him. 
I wouldn't, I, if I were Toronto, I wouldn't do anything. I think they still have a chance to win the East. I don't think this 12 game winning streak's a fluke. It's what goes, what we talked about with teams that just look crisp and know who they are. That team knows who they are. People and, love Nick Nurse too, man. And Other they, teams. And they managed, we talked about this the last time we did a pod, they managed to replace the Kawhi stats and then the Siakam stats from last year with Siakam basically replacing the Kawhi stats and he plays more. And then all those other guys replacing what Siakam gave them. The math just has worked with what they did, which I think is, I wasn't prepared for that. You would have thought, oh, they'll definitely be worse without Kawhi. And they're just, for regular season, they're not. Regular playoffs, season. Let's, playoffs, right. they would be worse. Let's see. For regular season, they have not been worse. Because when you look back at Siakam's game logs to the playoffs, you're like, oh, that was better than I remembered it. But watching it, I felt like, where is he? Game seven, Philly, which we did a rewatchables on. Um, that whole game was ugly, though. So, And I thought Harrell was the other one that, that if I was the Clippers, and I'm just now staring at three seven-game series in a row in the West, followed by the finals, can I win the title of Harrell as my crunch time five? Or is he somebody that should be a matchup guy? I thought it was something that they were very like, that's a front office. I respect a lot and that they may have thought, Hey, is there a way to flip this that we feel like we're different, but at the same level, but we like where we are next year instead of worrying about the Montrez thing. But that's a harder, that's a harder, like hold the thread, man. It just is like, I, you know, those, that's a clear example of, okay, fine. You want to do that. Then what are we talking about? Real quick in Toronto though, they're second in defense right now too. Behind home, Milwaukee's like so far ahead of everybody else, but that Toronto is number two. The point you made about how awesome. they they fight when they're down too. Yeah, and there's just certain teams that are. I think that Stevens, whoever he's had on the Celtics year after year, they're down seven with 42 seconds left, and he's diagramming plays out of timeouts and doing little mini presses and things like that. Certain teams are just going to keep fighting till the game's over. I didn't expect Toronto to be one of those teams. This, you know, they won the title last year. You would have totally understood if it was like, all right. We won the title. Cool. Yeah. You, you know, to get back it's to the it, opposite. You, you know who, the, you know, who doesn't look like that? It's Philly. Well, you know, who else doesn't look like that is the Clippers and the Clippers are like, well, Kawhi didn't play tonight. Well, this guy didn't play. Yeah. Like, that's why I kind of lack still... of urgency with them is really weird. I think it's, I think it's a real flaw. I know we're going to, you and I are doing NBA podcasts every week, the rest of the way. And I know we're going to dissect the Clippers endlessly. They're acting like a team that won the title and they've never won jack shit. They're having like the championship hangover season. It's like, it's a hangover of the fact that you just signed these two guys and gave away 700 draft picks. Go fucking win something. I don't like what I see from them. But I George went to the Kings game time. last week and yeah. I just... It Did was you like, watch well, the Heat game last night though? I didn't see that one. That was night. like one of those things they're down. You're like, oh, Miami. So And again, Jimmy ended up leaving the game. Yep. But they came out and like everybody hit shots in the third quarter. And they're just like, see ya, you know? Like we're we're good here, but for Miami to lose Jimmy is different. For other I don't teams, like the best guy. I don't like having an on off button when I've never done anything as a team. Now Kawhi deserves to have an on off button, but the other guys don't. Paul George, I can promise you. But that's what's kind of interesting now about what this league is: is that we usually have one or two teams that you by default believe in a little bit because of something they've done before, and it's why you know look. I've gone off on the Milwaukee thing, but like, hey, guess what, Milwaukee? Like, you lost four in a row after being up 2-0 when everybody thought Kawhi was hurt. You haven't done anything. It's scary to see how good you are right now, even without Brogdon. Like, the stuff that they're doing, and like, Giannis is in a weird way, like this this taller Harden who obviously yeah. can't shoot like Harden, but it's all set up around him. But I just like it a little bit more because it doesn't seem like so ISO heavy, and uh, Giannis just doesn't seem as 
disengaged at times when he's not involved. And yet they haven't done anything. Denver has never done anything with this group. This Lakers group has never done anything. The Clippers group has never done anything. Philly can't get out of the second round. This Boston group hasn't done anything. Like the Pacers thing, that's a nice story. Toronto without Kawhi, we don't know what it is. And, you know, it is very, it's very similar. Like when Memphis was up 2-0 on Golden State, because that Golden State team had only beaten a Denver team that had a bunch of wins and then lost to San Antonio, it was... Like, this isn't specific to Denver or Milwaukee or Toronto last year or anything. It's just how we operate. It's not crutch time. Until you've done something that we can bank on, we have a hard time believing in you. It's just so hard to go, hey. Sixers Celtics two years ago. Exactly. Like, hey, you've never done it, but I am all in that you're going to win a title or even just come out of your conference. And beyond, you know, Golden State with the, it's, it's even more so now. Like, the East was new last year, but it was a Kawhi. You still had Golden State before all those injuries. Now it's just a free-for-all of teams that were going, I don't know what you're going to be like. And that's why I think the Lakers threw out all of this. Um, and the Kuzma thing never really made any sense for all the pieces that you'd have to do because of his contract. That's why I think there's still a default part of believing in this version of LeBron going, you know, I know you've lost the Clippers a couple of times, but in the playoffs, like I could see everybody picking them. There's a physicality that they're going to have in the playoffs that I think is the X factor. And if I'm the Clippers, I'm I'm the most scared of that. Those but, two guys physically, what they're going to yeah. be able to do when everything slows down, when the refs are going to be deciding every game by how much contact they're going to allow versus what they're not going to allow. And just I, what, what like Davis and James can do in a game. But if I'm on the Clippers, the counter would be like, hey, do you want me to show you the Kawhi tape from last year? Right. So. I'm looking. I caught up the Milwaukee stats because I wanted to mention this to you. Their point differential is the best in history so far, right? Well, they're, for? they're 43 and seven. <laughs> and if they win, I don't know, seven more games and they're 50 and seven. And you start thinking about the 73 and nine and all the shitty teams are going to be playing in the East down the stretch. There's only six good teams in the East. Everybody else will be doing right. whatever. And it's like, what if this team only loses two more times? It is, Or what if this team's in the conversation for 70 wins? And you look at their stats and the advanced team stuff and all the defense, well, yeah. all the three-point shooting, but like They'd have to George go Hill's walk. shooting 51% from three. And you said like, I, I can't believe they're doing this with Brogdon gone. And I felt the same way the yeah, whole year. Yeah, wait a minute. By the way though, like I just did, so they'd have to go 30 and two to tie it. Yeah, but they, teams, teams have gone on 29 and two streaks though. It's conceivable, but they were able to replace. Everybody's so obsessed with rest. They, they won't. The they were able guys. to replace the Brogdon thing with this weird George Hill Wesley Matthews. Better Bledsoe. And better Bledsoe. But like, I thought Wesley Matthews was done as a, as a reasonable rotation Dipincenzo, guy. I think is worth Yeah. Mentioning. But the Wesley Matthews thing seemed like it, he was heading toward the end of his career. And then George Hill was available for anybody last trade deadline. Anybody could have had him. And they were like, ah, George Hill, he's not good anymore. And meanwhile, he was. Remember Hill couldn't get in, get on the floor. I think during yeah. that Cavs series a couple years ago. Wasn't right. that, wasn't that like. Well, he also Van missed Gundy? the big free throw in the JR timeout game. Yeah, but Van Gundy was like, whoa, like he, he's not even playing. I'd have to go back and look at some so of that, he but I remember him, that being something. He's playing, George Hill's playing 21 minutes a game, right? Brogdon was probably around 28, 29. The 21 minutes he's playing are as good as the 28 minutes Brogdon was giving them. They have to make up the other seven, but... Yeah, I'm with you that the rest thing might, not, might mean that maybe it doesn't happen, but at the same time, like these guys are just killing people. And at some point, you got to think, like, is 30 and 2 even realistic? All right, some last thoughts. Um, we had the blow it up trade pieces list. 
if the team was like, fuck it. I had Chris Paul, <laughs> Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, LaMarcus Aldridge, Steven Adams, and Gallinari. Three of those guys are in OKC. If OKC was just like, fuck it. I actually like that they didn't do that. I wish they'd gone the other way and traded for a wing guy. Um, yeah, because they have this collection of like wings where you go, well, they have who this, is that again? The they have Baisley? this weird wrinkle with them though, where if the pick, the pick is one through 20 protected, otherwise somebody gets it. Can't remember who. It's in one of the trades they made. So it's in there. Is that the Miami one that they That's wanted unprotected? Right. Yeah. 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 So um, they wanted to change the language on that. No, that was the pick. I think Miami's sending them down the road. There's, I, I don't know. I'll give Oklahoma it. City's pick is going go somewhere. Maybe Philly? Out. Philly or Denver? One of those two teams. <laughs> Jackson, find this out. Find out where Oklahoma City's pick is going to. But it's one through 20 protected. So if they play themselves into the top 10, then they lose their first rounder. I don't know if that's a factor for them, but the one that you know what? Um, it shouldn't be because because they're the good stock, and the stockpiling of first rounders. Yeah, at they have, how many picks do you need? The one that surprises me going through that list, Horford. I'm not sure there's a yeah, but for we're him. talking protection, not lose it outright. We're talking about it then just being kicked down. The for if it's one through twenty, they keep it right. But if they're twenty one, they lose it. We'll lose okay, it that season. year, right. this year, this right. one in June. Okay. That was the, a good segment. <laughs> Well, we are at like hour, hour 37. The one that surprises me is if I thought San Antonio was going to secretly trade Aldridge. That was one of my, I, every year there's one random guy, nobody knows he's available. And then all of a sudden he's on another team. He makes 26 million this year. But they gave him guarantee for next year. They and he's got his contract deal. next year. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying. 25, 25, 24 million next year, 35 years old. If you're the Spurs. Why are you running this back? You're going to run it back next year. You're going to pay 57 million, 55 million, whatever for DeRozan and Aldridge as your two best guys. You're not a playoff team. Why, why, where was the incentive for them to just say, do you think there's good, a, let's roll it a over. part of pop that he wants nothing to do with like, Hey, we really need to tear this down. We really need to see what we have in DeJounte. And he would say, you think Derek white would be considered a better player if he changed up his look? What do you mean? Like whenever I see his hair, beard, combo, sides, I'm like, if he just tightened that up, I think guys would be like, hey, you know what? I want to get a Derek White t-shirt. Um, but yeah, I mean, he single-handedly was like insane in some of those Nuggets games. Right. And then you go, okay, now he has two points again. They're uh, 22 and 28. Yeah, they're not good. And we knew last year, like that team making the playoffs last year, and it was one of the biggest slides. Like this isn't even a knock on San Antonio. You go, okay, eventually like year 20, this had to happen. But defensively, they slipped in a way they hadn't slipped before. They still make the playoffs. They still scare Denver a little bit, which, you know, scared me off of Denver. But here's um, my question. They're 22 and 28. New Orleans has 20 wins. Phoenix has 20 wins. Sacramento has 19 wins. Minnesota just traded for Russell. They're seven games behind them, but who knows? There's 32 what games. What is New Orleans? Six games out? New Orleans is two, is two and a half games behind San Antonio. No, but I'm talking out of the eighth, out of Memphis. Yeah, New Orleans is, Memphis is 26 and 25. So everybody is is within striking range of Memphis, potentially. If I'm San Antonio, I would have actually maybe tried to, to make the move. Hope you fall backwards. Now you're in like the top eight. Now I don't have to worry about Aldridge and DeRozan next year. I don't know. I, I thought it was weird that they just were like, we're good. We're just going to be depressing as always. We're going to take some. I, I honestly, this was long overdue though. This was so overdue for this franchise to actually have the moment of malaise and trying to figure They're out. They're in what no you, man's land. But you know, and DeRozan is not, he's a player option 
this summer at 27.8. He probably picks it up. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. He's never um, seen that again. And honestly, like anybody that goes, hey, you need to trade DeRozan. And this is the selfishness, the, the lens that you watch. These Where's trades. he going? When you're trading for DeRozan, all you're trading for is a bill. And a guy that's proven, despite the offensive stuff that you can see at times and the consistent, like, hey, look at these numbers, look at these numbers. It never works. It doesn't ever seem to add up. And and people will tell you historically over the years, the plus minus with, with DeRozan, you go, oh, wait, so like you're worse every time he's out there? I wonder what the Grizzlies, they're eight seed right now. They basically have a two and a half lead over, two and a half game lead over everybody, including Portland. Portland Dame is like flames are shooting out of his ass. This is they have to be taken this, this, One this, of the great runs of all time. Uh, for a guard, he's he averaged eight straight games, forty five a game as from the guard position, which is like you're now in a different stratosphere. And that was kind of that Golden State game when you were talking about D'Angelo Russell in the basketball we don't really like, where it's like, hey, D'Angelo, we're going to set four versions of a high screen, dribble yeah. to one side, and then you jack up a thirty footer. And that's when Dame was like, okay, but I'm also going to do it and make every single one of them. right, and and just completely cut the heart out of the other team. But Memphis traded Crowder today, and they got. They got Winslow back in the deal, but he's, as you said, he's played 11 games. And Crowder, if you watch Memphis, was <laughs> weirdly important to him. Like, he was playing crunch time, and he was doing stuff. And I think he you was always need one guy that at least pretends he's going to fight, real or not. Yeah. I think every team needs a Matt Barnes I type. thought he was important for them, for what the team that they had become. That was a really fun league pass team to watch. And they now they lost him. They didn't really replace him unless Winslow comes back. My point is... I think New Orleans or Portland is probably going to catch Memphis. I don't see this Memphis thing continuing to go. Just in general, Six I games think a lot, the fact but... that they were like 14 and five over the last 19, they're not that good. I'd bet so, you if I went through too, because like when Utah was turning this thing around and it was like, oh, okay, cool. Finally, like you're winning games and you went through it and you were like, the only time you had a good win through this whole thing was, I think there was a Clippers win in there, but it may have been without one of the two. It might've been a non-Paul George. It probably was a non-Paul George win. I want to talk about Fat Zion at a later date. And I call him that affectionately because I think there's some serious Barkley shit going on. It's It really reminds me a lot of mid-80s Barkley where it doesn't really matter what my he looks like. player of all time. Oh, my God. He, I mean, he's athletically, all that stuff. And, you know, last week was all about Kobe and rightly so, but Zion's out there putting up 20 and 10 in these games he hadn't played all season and is a complete mismatch. Against everybody. This, you know, anybody no, that was like, oh, well, when he gets against men, you're like, no, you don't you don't understand what this guy is. He's the biggest man. Yeah. It, it's There's some LeBron late 2000s kind of shit where it's just like, oh, he's just more of a specimen than anybody who's guarding him. And the thing I've learned just through six games is you can play him at the five. You can. Well, that was where he always should have been. Like, you know, Mike Schmitz, I'm going to give credit for the ESPN draft yeah. guy. And like, you know, I'm going through and I would, I would text, I'd be like, I think I'm, you're right on with this five thing. And Mike point, Schmitz, point five. Right. And he would, he went out and get up and he sat down and it was like three ex NBA players and like Greeny and like, here's, you know, Mike Schmitz with his notebook out. And he's like, yeah, he should be a center. And all the NBA guys that are analysts laughed yeah, in his like, face, get off the set. It was like when I said Doncic reminds me of Harden on a TV show and the next player was like, oh my God, this idiot. Right. And you just go like, first of all, I know I put way more work into it than you have. Yeah. But whatever. Like you played, I didn't. You're like, and sorry, Damon Jones. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he was like, anybody that watched Zion was like, if this league is smaller then why wouldn't you guys, why, like, who cares about Jackson Hayes? Shout out, by the way. Right. Uh, and not a knock on any of those other guys. Like, the best version of Zion, at least right now, is the five, because he's going to work the hell out of anybody else. Like, it's it doesn't so matter much that he's shorter. When he posts up, 
whether they put him at like the foul line or the lower block, the extra size that he has just from being an adult, maybe there's some baby fat on there, whatever. It's like if he does this and plants himself, he's getting the ball. Yeah. You're not you're not gonna and be his, reaching around and him. his feet in the second jump, the second jump leaves everybody in like what? He's already up. The second attack. jump looks like some matrix shit. Right. Now then Where it's when like he, <laughs> he, you just jumped. You're jumping again. I just was watching your first jump. Okay, but then there's never been anybody I don't think I've ever seen that every time he's subbed out, I'm like, is he hurt? <laughs> just when he's like Yeah. True. He walks like he's <laughs> like, what? 80 years old. What what is going on? And uh he has these moves where it looks like somebody's fast forwarding him. Levine had that or like, has it still. Oh my God. Right. Like Westbrook had it. But then the times where Levine, you're like, oh my God. Did, I did feel vindicated because the people, the jaw was doing really well. Zion was hurt. And there was this little like, ah, you know, Zion. Mark Jackson said it within yeah, you four don't minutes. Know. Of, yeah, Zion, Mark Jackson Zion in the first was, game. When it was fat Zion, the first four minutes when he was fat shamed. He's the new Greg Oden. And it was like, everybody was like, this guy's so fat. Look at he's he's hurt, and then Mark Jackson was like, "Shit!" Eight minutes into the first quarter, I would have taken Ja. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, dude!" I'm like, "This kid isn't even—he's not even sweating yet." You and I never wavered. I thought he was one of. I, but then people made fun of us for being like, "Oh, you know, thanks, Captain Obvious." Like, is it? Because I feel like there's a lot of people that didn't quite get him. I remember I went on Francesca's show, and I thought I said something like, "He's one of the biggest." the three biggest sure things of the past, like 30 years out of all the guys drafted Good first, you. something like that. I was just like, the guy's a sure thing. The only thing that will hurt him is if he gets injured. But by the way, watch Memphis, watch all the crazy fucking shit jaw does. I think jaw is just as big of an injury risk. God bless it. I hope it doesn't happen. Yeah. But jaw doesn't look like he blew an ACL but when Jha's he gets subbed going, out. Yeah. Jaw's going <laughs> horizontal sideways, getting undercut and yeah. somehow landing perfectly every time. But it, it scares me. Like that's it, just all the, all the collagen, like being young Jesus. and landing. Like He's Gordon so Hayward, fearless. Gordon Hayward, I thought blew out his knee, helping somebody up the other night. Right? <laughs> and I was like, Oh no, this again. Uh, Zion is absolutely jaw-droppingly incredible to watch. And one of the- I plan my week around him. One of the few guys that when you're watching him, you just kind of go, I don't know what, they, what they're going to do when he really figures this out. Like, what's, what's the move? It was great too. Because if you like, double him, he makes the perfect pass. Well, that's the best part of his game, I think. Is Well, it isn't the best because the physical part of what he can do when he's near the that's block. That's the thing, Zach. But his Zach's passing, been blown away by the passing because Zach no, but, doesn't watch college. Oh, he didn't watch it? Yeah, yeah no, no, it was, that was like- when you watch him get going at Duke and transition, spacing? it was awesome. Yeah, he's a fucking awesome then, passer. It, even though, like, he his three-point numbers weren't great, um, but oddly, they were better than, like, R.J. Barrett's, better than Reddish uh, at Duke. He, he was a better three-point shooter than his teammates who couldn't make any shots at the end of the year. But for him to hit those four, and the fourth one, you never make it when you're like, should I shoot? Oh, I'm not going to shoot. Ah, hell, I'll shoot. And then it goes and then in. It's like a, and I'm just at home laughing because it was... It was such a great 180 because you knew what was going to happen. It was going to be a bunch of dudes who do what we do in line to be the first guy that next morning after that Spurs game to be like, I don't see it. Yeah. And you just go, well. He's too fat. Too much weight. Does he want it? going to break down. Does he and want it's it? like, first of all, his body is unlike any anybody else's body ever. And I don't know what it's supposed to look like. I've never seen a body like this except for Barkley. Barkley was four inches shorter than he is. Yeah, I think Barkley was actually, uh, like Barkley didn't walk around like he, like he was hurt all the time. So I'm I'm worried about it. Like when I think of Odin, I get into these arguments all the time with my friends. They're like, Odin's a bust. No, no, like busts, like Dragon Bender's a bust. 
Hashim okay. Thabit is a bust. Hashim Thabit's a bust. Greg Oden was going to be awesome. Yeah, he was when he when it started clicking and coming along. That game's on YouTube, the national title game, and he's playing with like a broken wrist, and he's still fucking dominating Horford and Noah. And he's and he's showing. He's coming yeah. all the way to three point awesome line to meet game. guys. It's a bummer. And he had a Portland run where you're like, okay, this is yeah. going to be awesome. And then he was hurt. And they didn't trust anybody. And then we, he was more hurt than we thought. I just, I don't want, look, obviously we all, but I don't want to hear like if Zion's hurt. I just don't think a bust is if you're hurt. That's my rule. Okay. No one agrees. We're going to leave, but I want to do Mookie bets for two minutes. Hey, we're taking a break to tell you about Briar Patch. That is a new show on the USA Network that launches tonight, 10 p.m. USA Network. Did you see this out of Andy? Were you I like, have, this is going to meet? No, but like when you were working with him at Grantland, who's no, the showrunner here? He was writing about TV. It never occurred to me. I didn't realize that like you, he's a writer. Yeah. I Well, you know, what's funny is I went to, I, I think it might've been HBO. Um, sorry that I met with him, but they, uh, <laughs> they, they had said something like, Hey, do you know Andy at all? And I was like, no, I didn't, you know, we didn't really cross paths cause he was out here and they're like, you know, he had this script a couple of years ago and we read it and we all just sort of looked at each other and we're like, he's really good at this. Yeah. So it's a cool story, man. It should motivate people. Well, he created his own show. It's called Briar Patch. He did it with Sam Ismail, but from uh, Mr. Robot, who was kind of his fairy godfather with the whole thing and really believed in him and pushed him. It stars Rosario Dawson. Um, it is set in Texas. Is it based on a book? Yeah. It's based it is, on a it book, based right? On a book, right. And uh, Jay Ferguson's in it. A whole bunch of people. But um, we're really proud of Andy Greenwald. That's unbelievable. And we, it's really and cool. It's a great success story. Somebody that was one of our original writers back in the day. So Briar Patch, USA Network, 10 p.m. I know Nephew Kyle's going to watch. Yes, sir. You've always liked Rosario Dawson. Big fan. For your entire this life. This the rundown. Yeah, there you Rock. go. Uh, back to the pot. The Red Sox, who make $500-plus million a year in revenue, who have a $200 million Documented. And still, still, they still are, whatever their salary is, they're making money every year. Um, I just got to burn their saddle to trade Mookie Betts. I'm sure they're going to leak like, oh, we never could have kept him. He was going to leave. He wanted 400 million and all that. And it's like, well, he should get 400 million because that's what it costs to have one of the best outfielders the last 20 years. He's the best position player they've had since Ted Williams. He, um, really helped them win the 2018 World Series in ways beyond just him being awesome. And so Mike Sherwood, we were texting about it, and he was saying the throw that he made to throw out Tony Kemp in the Houston series, he said was the greatest story he's ever seen in his life. I actually agree. Um, he had a huge homer against the Dodgers. It was just a guy like, if you're trying to win the World Series, it's you, he's the guy you're trading for, not the guy you're trading. And... I'm just stupefied by the whole thing. I don't understand it. I didn't understand it as it was happening. The trade wasn't that good. I don't understand the point of, of saving luxury tax money for next year. So then you can go try to get a guy almost as good as Mookie Betts. And then on top of it, like, I just thought he should have been a meaningful guy in the city. You know, I, I think he's just a really good guy who is different than a lot of Red Sox players in a lot of ways. Um, who's the, certainly the best black baseball player they've ever had. And I think that matters for a variety of reasons. And uh, I was just so upset. Like, it honestly makes me not, I, I know I'll talk myself into the season again. I know I'll start watching it because that's the habit of baseball. But this is the first thing they've done since I was like a kid that made me kind of not want to throw myself into the season. And I have not, I just have not wrapped my head around it. I just can't believe they did this. 
So uh, I, I would always start with this. Like if Mookie deep down didn't want to play here, I don't know the answer to that. Jim I'm sure Rice said yesterday, out. he was like, Mookie wanted to stay in Boston. Right. And I, I believe Jim Rice. Um, I want to, I want to believe that then. And when I went through it and I did it on my podcast, there's been 19 contracts north of 200 million in baseball history. Um, we've just started to like hit some serious numbers. I would argue considering A-Rod signed for 252 million in 2001, that maybe some of these bigger contracts were long overdue. Yeah. If you look at some of the revenue split stuff and the percentage of revenue going to the major league players and owners argue about, oh, no, 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 we have to pay for all the minor league stuff too, which I do understand. You know, it's not a bad split, but it's going down. I just don't understand, like, how were some of these contracts happening? How was it almost a Manny Ramirez $200 million contract happening? A-Rod 250. That was 20 years ago. How was that happening 20 years ago? And now we've only had 17 other ones since then. Like, but that's how, weird. How is it not happening with the team that paid Evaldi basically like a tip at the end of the night at a wedding? They gave him a $60 million contract. And then nine months later, like, oh man, the tax. Yeah, it's it's four years, like, sixty eight million. It, the, I, but no one complained about it because of what he did in the eighteen. Well, because we just game. assumed they were going to spend money every year because right. of the fucking Red Sox, and it's their cash cow. The Valdi deal wasn't great. The sale deal seemed to be premature, but the price deal is the one that absolutely drives me crazy. They well, offer they price. They, they offer the price fifty one million more than the next best offer. Right, they're and drunk for, guy in the fantasy for league. a guy that didn't want to play there ever. He yeah. never wanted to play in Boston. He was miserable the whole time. He gets kind of that J.D. Drew pass yeah. because of what happened with the World Series. But they for the most the part, them. right, but they, they didn't. Like, Price, the whole thing was a bad deal. He was the third highest paid player in baseball the year he was signed. World Series champ. <laughs> Whatever. Um, 2018 World deal, Champ. Those deals, like, whenever fans go, who cares? It's not my money. No, no, no. That deal, you paid Zach Grinke money. You paid Clayton Kershaw money for David Price. Yeah. For a guy that didn't even like being in the city. And that set these things in motion. So now all of a sudden you're going to be cheap with Mookie Betts. And then the other part of it's, it, whether it's, poor, it's like the all-time poor planning of seven different things leading to an equally terrible decision. I've seen all of these things where it's like, okay, well, he owed it to the union. Who cares? Okay. He's going to get paid. Oh, he... um he, uh, this allows the Red Sox all this financial flexibility. What? To go get somebody who's not as good as him? Right. That, that's a terrible, Is there terrible poor argument. man's Mookie Betts out there that and we could spend $200 million If on? you're looking at Verdugo, who is a one-season guy, who might not be bad because the splits are pretty good. With the bad was, back. But missed the last two months, neck and back pain. Yeah. And then... Attitude problems in the minors. Um, Gratterall, who's blown out his elbow, missed all of 16. It seems like a medical half risk. Half of 17. And I love that Boston Globe was like, facts about him signs autographs until everybody is done. You're like, okay, what about the part where he may weigh 270 pounds and he's 21 years old? Facts about him. His elbow ligament is made out of his hamstring. The, the whole like, oh, well, you couldn't go into the season with Mookie. Who gives a shit? These are pro athletes. And I know it's not great to be in the trade rumors, but like every single NBA player thinks he's getting traded the whole time. Well, the only person who can't handle a trade rumor is Jamal Adams. So, you know, <laughs> if, if, if Mookie Betts like has to go in and like it's unsettled, then let it be unsettled. If the best that you're doing is that we don't know if Verdugo is an everyday outfielder and a guy that's had this injury history who's out of shape, if that's the best you could do, you could definitely do that before the trade deadline this upcoming so that year. Was my that's argument. the thing that doesn't make it. Anybody that says you had to do this now because it was the best deal you're going to get, if this is the best deal and you're Bloom and everybody thinks maybe Friedman worked you because you used to work for him in Tampa, which may be completely unfair, if I'm Bloom, I go, hey, you know what? Most of us get fired in this job anyway. I'm not doing that. How do the Dodgers not give up a prospect in this deal and only Kent Maeda 
when you get Mookie Betts likely in a spot where you know you're going to resign him. That's where you well, have to about- be like vigilant and going, I'm not doing this. I don't care. I'm not doing this unless we're getting go, one of the go Dodgers back to top your point, fives. though. Pau Gasol, 2008. One of the reasons, 2000, yeah, 2008, February. One of the reasons everyone was so upset about that deal, other than nobody knew who's on the block, was they did it two, two weeks before the trade deadline. And Wallace was like, well, I really like the deal. I want to take it. That deal's still sitting there two weeks later. Guess what? The, the, the Lakers aren't going to go, ah, you know, I, on second thought, Kwame Brown, Javars Crittenden, the 30th pick, and Pau Gasol's fat brother. It's too rich for our blood now to get Pau Gasol. We're not, we've, we've actually yeah, cooled off on this. people don't realize, like, the Marcus, so there wasn't one guy that I talked yeah, to. because teams 420 were, Teams pounds. were so mad because they were like, this is a Memphis Jerry West thing. It was. It was a total hookup. It was hook a up. fucking 100% right. Memphis Jerry West thing. So the thing with the Mookie thing, because I've argued with Red Sox fans about this. They're like, well start the season with him, you can't trade him. And I'm like, that doesn't okay, make it- guess what? Guess who we could trade him for? Alex Verdugo and this fucking guy in the Twins whose hamstring is his elbow ligament and who's a medical risk already. I'm positive that trade was still sitting there in July. Dude, no gyro ball? Um, it's so frustrating. It, it's really frustrating. It's like, and why I, now? And why I, now? I know that people outside of Boston be like, okay, so let me get this straight. You losers... <laughs> Right, you, you won eight, four World Series. You went eighty plus years without this. You would you would have sold relatives to get one. This ownership group comes in and gets four in less than twenty years, and now you're so mad that you think that like you don't like this ownership group. Yeah, but here's the and thing, and that's the part from the outside where I think all of those get, but like they don't get it. Like this that's ownership, a terrible way to look at sports. This, this ownership group is buying up every piece of property around that park to the point where I think like the city had to be like, you guys need to chill. A little on this Yeah, stuff. they've killed every sort of traditional thing that's been around there to build their whole mega complex. Sweet Caroline sucks. You know, it sucks. And like, it's, there's there's a lot of Red Sox atrocity. fans who are just like, thanks for the rings. But, this, but then to do this, like this reminds me of the insecurity and the inferiority of being a 90s Red Sox fan. Like, this is what it was. It was like, oh, we're going to do the stupid shit. I get it. Did the Yankees ever do this? In 2020, for the Red Sox to do something that the Yankees, like Yankees fans should be like, oh, this... This the Yankees reminds, fans were cheering this. Like, oh, this reminds me when you guys were idiots. Right. Good job. Yeah, despite the fact that Sox but have won more rings. The four, here's my counter. Recently, to the, not total. You're 27. We got it. Here's my counter to the four World Series thing. Look, once they want an 04, it's house money for the rest of our lives. I, I just really wanted to win them once, so I never had to think about the fucking you wrote a book stupid on curse that. again. I did. Winning the other ones were awesome. They were great sports experiences. The 18 one was such a surprise, I care, too. It really was. I honestly care more in baseball, specifically and especially, about having a guy that I love for 20 years. That matters to me more than like, oh, we won in 2018. That 2018 was a year and a half ago. I can barely remember what happened in that playoff series anymore. But for six straight months, baseball is fucking boring. I still like it because I'm an old white guy. I'm the audience. I like to put it on. I like to watch Red Sox games and have them in the background as I'm doing other things. And one of the certainties I had in life was I love Mookie Betts. I like Devers. I like Bogarts. And I like Ben Intende somewhat. Three and a half guys that I liked watching. And I was like, this is great. These guys are in my life every summer until for the rest of the decade. I'm going to have these three guys. I'm going to have Devers. I'm going to have Bogarts. And I'm going to have Betts especially. Fuck. Isn't that why we follow sports? And it's so rare, like in baseball, to go, you're going to have this guy who's basically second to Mike Trout, who is going to go down as one of the greatest yeah, players like, of all time. Yeah, like, sorry, he's not as good as Mike Trout, right, who's right. like fucking Mickey Mantle. Right. Um, 
to go. I mean, this is just isn't. I, I just think the Red Sox. I don't know if the Red Sox ownerships like if they get it. I don't know if they go like, hey, we won the four rings. Like, I have get a over theory. This thing. Want to hear my theory? Whether they're piling up assets to bounce on this thing, or they're putting all their money into soccer. I think or, they're going to sell. I think they they didn't want to pay the luxury tax this year. I think well, that's even gotten, grosser than. I Give think they've gotten else. everything they've wanted out of this franchise, and, the, and more so. And I, I mean, think look, they're going to sell. I do. I don't. I don't know that it would make sense. But you know what? You should do then. Do whatever. Like, who cares? The t- then Mookie'd be on somebody else's tab. Can you cover the luxury tax? That's I mean, what pa- Paul Gaston did with Vin Baker trade. He well, was like, I know I'm going to sell. I need to get under the tax. This is, I'm getting yeah, flashbacks always, to that. He was always like that. This he trade was always is so like, stupid. There's, the tax. there's no other explanation for this trade. This trade is so stupid. It makes me think they're selling the team because, and the other thing, they're so tone deaf. They fucking, li- they've lived in the city for two yeah, decades. I don't, I don't understand how they're, they're so tone deaf this. to how this stuff is received. Because yeah. this happened a couple of times where they shank Terry Francona and then the Globe piece comes out a couple of days later, murdering him. And it's like, yeah. This looks bad. You guys did this incorrectly. The way they handled Theo. The all this Theo stuff, it's like they is, just don't get is, the city. It's mind-blowing. But I always thought the Theo thing was very, a very common thing that happens. They pick it Theo. It was a mentor-mentee right. thing. Yeah, when there's some pick, Latino shit. When you pick Theo, you're like, look, we we looked out for you. And then Theo's like, I'm good at this. I'm out of here. Francona's the best manager I've ever seen. And I mean that as like a day-to-day thing. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say I understand other managers. But until you watch a guy every day for years, it's when you're like, hey, this guy kind of sucks. And that team was like and, the, and Francona the was weirdest, awesome. quirkiest team yeah. ever. And he managed it. I don't really like Francona, but I think he's a great manager. So that one I, I thought didn't Cora have, was awesome in 18. I didn't have as much of a problem um, with some of the Francona criticism. I had massive problems with the Theo criticism because a lot of it was ageism too. Like, if he had been 45, right. they would have been like, hey, we'll give you whatever you want. Like they they brought in Mike Port to like hold his hand, and you're like, no, no, you've got like a a guy that's going to change the way we look at GM sitting right here. He doesn't need his hand to be held. The whole Billy Bean thing that fell apart, and then afterwards, like Theo's like, no, I'm going to bounce. Like I'm I'm good. I do think this ownership thing is just like it it feels so stupid to go. Oh yeah, what's wrong with these guys when they've been so successful? But isn't that but, part of their attitude though, where it's like we brought you four World Series? I think you that's be exactly grateful. that's exactly what we'll I think. We'll do what are. we want. Are they right or are Red Sox fans right? Well, I think the owners that we had up until them were so atrocious, and we all saw the potential in the city and the franchise for how much people love baseball. And if somebody could figure out the park and the surrounding things, put that revenue back, and they they we all knew it was going to be a cash cow. It was like the the worst house on the best block. And it's like, man, if somebody buys that house and makes it nice, that's going to be like a $12 million house. That's what they had. They did it. I don't think they're the only owners that could have done that. They're the there only are a lot owners. of good owners in sports. Yeah. Like, look at what the Warriors did with Joe Lacob. Is Joe Lacob, I know he's light years ahead of everybody, but <laughs> honestly, was he that good or was he just not the terrible shitty owners they had before? And with the Red Sox owners, it's like, these guys are obviously really smart. They've leveraged the land and the fan base in 7 million economic ways that have been beneficial. They put a lot of it back in the team. Why draw the line at Mookie Betts, the best position player we've had in 60 years? Why would this be the guy where you're like, all right, now it's time to cut bait. And here's the problem. Much like, I remember they did some sort of stupid poll that was like, what are Red Sox fans like? And it was like good players, stars. So they spent way too much money on Carl Crawford who hated it. John Lackey, who kind of has a little bit of that David Price thing. For the most part, it wasn't that great, but he was part of that 13 run. So yeah. everybody forgets about it and doesn't care. But 
this team will, and I started looking at 2021 free agents being like, who are they going to spend like 150 million on this guy and like 120 million on this pitcher? Like who are going to be the two B minus guys that they signed for a ton of money thinking like, Hey, everybody pay attention to us. The difference is when the Yankees had their run, they didn't screw around with it. Like we're not going to sign they screw their core right. guys. We, we go like, who, who's the best pitcher? Is it Mike Messina? Okay. Well, like, do we want him or we want Pat Rapp? Cause Pat Rapp's cheaper. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, let's just go get Messina. And considering who the Red Sox have become after all those years in the 90s being told that they were a mid-market team, being conned by this trust and Dan Duquette, who, you know, was a great talent evaluator, but was was kind of a, like, I ended up getting along with him. He used to come on our show all the time. But like his his end was like, get this guy right. out of here. It was like a serial killer. Right. Because it just didn't, he, he didn't, he couldn't sell it the right way. It was like Hinky being forced to talk was Duquette, you know, especially without, in Boston. And so you're like, what is, what is up with this guy? Even though he was again, really good at evaluating baseball players, but we were just tricked to like, think less of ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't think you could ever be it that. Was, it was like a damaged relationship. Yeah. And then it happened. But you made the key point with the Yankees. Why do the Yankees have that run? They kept Bernie Williams and Jeter and Rivera. Remember when the Sox made an offer to Bernie Williams and then he went back to the yeah, Yanks? Guess and what? He went like, back. Yeah. And he was like, I was really impressed by your presentation. And people were like, oh. Thanks like, anyway. what do you think? Do you think Bernie Williams was really going to leave the Yankees and sign with the Red Sox? But I just feel like Betts, Devers, Bogarts, I don't care who else is on the team the next 10 years. I get through for those three guys. That's the foundation you spend around. You make smart decisions. You're always going to be good. But ultimately, Mookie's going to go to the Dodgers this year and he's going to be incredible. And people are going to watch him in Dodger Stadium with that huge field and him and Bellinger basically patrolling this fucking complex that they have out there. It's so spacious and so wide. And those guys are going to be chasing down everything. He's been in every big spot. He can handle not just Boston, but playoff baseball. And he's a fucking legitimate superstar at the age of 27. Ben Lindbergh wrote for us said this trade had no precedent in the history of baseball. Nobody's ever traded this specific player at this age. And it's a bummer. And it really makes me wonder if I'm going to care about this Red Sox season. I know I'll rally. I know I'll go around, but it just really hurts. I, I was surprised. Like that I'm 50 and I still care about sports uh, yeah. like this. And I'd heard but on I'm like, Sunday, this fucking hurts. Like I texted you on Sunday and I was like, Hey, I'm hearing it's done. And you're like, yeah, me too. And then we're just trying to figure out like what you it knew was. It was inevitable for no, but it weeks. wasn't. It wasn't just inevitable. Like well, I was like, Hey, is this thing done? And somebody's like, yeah, it's done. It's done. And they're waiting to announce it for a bunch of different reasons. But, um, yeah, honestly, like Boston should not be in the category of a city Nobody wants loses. to hear Boston fans whine about it, but it, it's just, it's more, me, it's not just about the titles. It's about having somebody in your life beginning, middle, end of their careers. And I thought he was going to be one of those guys. Like we grew up with Yaz. Yeah. Yaz Day 1983 meant something to me. I, why, he was in my life for the first 14 years of I my life. I was there. Smoking cigarettes in the press conferences. Yeah, I wasn't you were smoking there. then. But you weren't I mean, smoking? I was eight. But yeah, I think that shit means something. I think it means something that Ortiz finished with the Red Sox and what he meant to the city. And I think Mookie was going to be that guy. And they said, no, uh, we have to go. Done. Thanks for doing this trade trade deadline pod for Ryan Rousseau. Thanks to the crew. Thanks to Kyle. Yeah. And uh, we will see you on Sunday night. All right. Thanks to Rosella. Don't forget about the evolving worlds of Grand Theft Auto Online, Red Dead Online, a record-breaking holiday season, more players than ever to celebrate. Rockstar Games offering huge bonuses to players in both GTA Online and Red Dead Online before starting January 30th, which I'm pretty sure happened like a week ago. January 30th. That was last yeah, month. Yeah, that's right. 
Cash bonus up to $2 million GTA dollars by playing once a week before February 12th. Uh, there's Wait, never... so I can actually win that much money? Yeah. You can get the guns, GTA money. gunslingers cash. Oh, GTA money. I can buy anything. Get the bounty hunters kit. Tesla. There's never been a better time to play GTA online and Red Dead online. San Andreas is unbelievable. Check I'm like, I'm going to clear out this entire neighborhood. It's going to be all pink. Thanks to Pepsi with the new year officially here and everyone vowing to restrictive resolutions. Pepsi wants to usher in the new decade a bit differently by encouraging everyone to unapologetically do what you enjoy, even in the face of others' judgment. Rosillo and I enjoy turning on the team that won us four World Series titles because they you know traded our favorite though? player. I love those division titles, 86, 88, 90. Good those ones. were fun. And like Boddicker. The A's just steamrolled us. Well, we, we are, we're not afraid to criticize the owners that brought us four World Series titles. Pepsi, that's what I like. We're also brought to you by uh, RedSox.com, where Mookie Betts jerseys are now 50% off. Are they really? Because we ripped your hearts out. No, they probably should be, though. Everyone at the first Red Sox game should show up with a Mookie jersey. I can't Priscilla. wait to get a Johnny Cueto jersey next summer. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. Thank you. See you soon.